Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Bat Around, coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. The Bat Around is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. I'm your host, Paul Valley, joined as always by my excellent, exemplary co-host, Zach Goodman. Who just got the second shot the other I, day, I, and you said you, you kind of were feeling like a zombie when you woke up this morning. Yeah, I did. It was certainly uh, not the best feeling when I woke up. Kind of had a headache. My, my legs feel like they're tied to bowling balls right now, so it's it's kind of a struggle, but we'll, we'll get through it. No big deal. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a young buck. I'm sure you'll be, uh, you'll be just fine. I have mine coming up a, a week from this coming Wednesday, my second shot. Got to get in the left arm, keep the right arm strong and ready to go for whatever it needs to be strong and ready to go for. Um, but I did take off work the next day um, just to be safe. I usually don't get sick, folks. I, I did have COVID back in January, but I had zero symptoms. I had to sit on my couch like a bum for 14 straight days for what to me felt like for no reason. Of, of course, because I had COVID, I understood and I was willing to do it. But, you know, I... I I felt strong. I felt ready to go, and had nowhere to go because I had COVID. <laughs> right, so, right, right. Um, but happy to get happy. Zach got the uh, got the second shot. I'm ready to get mine and kind of start moving towards normalcy. However, in moving towards normalcy with the show, let's just talk about some baseball because uh, that's the normalcy part of this show uh, here on the bat around. The Orioles played the Athletics, the Red hot athletics. The athletics started the season 0 and 6 and 1 and 7 who have now won 12 in a row after last night's victory over the Orioles 3 to 1. Um Cole Irvin, 5 and a third innings pitched, 8 hits, 1 earned run, 1 walk, 6 Ks. Uh Laureano, the laser, uh he had a home run for the Athletics. The Orioles Held to one runner fewer for the third time in four games. They have scored three runs or fewer in 10 of 19 games this season. Zach, we're going to get to that in Orioles banter. Uh, look, this this team in this game last night, they they looked hapless. They looked yeah. like they were they they couldn't do anything. But then they get they they get to the 6th inning and they start the 6th inning with three straight singles. You have the bases loaded, you have nobody out. You're down two nothing at this point. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry. You're down three nothing. Down three nothing at this point, and Ryan Mountcastle coming to the plate. If this was 2020, it's like, oh man, single in the left field. You know, two runner score uh, most likely. Ryan Mountcastle's coming to the plate with right. the bases loaded, with this game still well within reach. And and even early this year, it's still early this year. We're right, 19 right. games into the season, but even to start this year. Opening day, Mountcastle came up with the bases loaded, and I had complete confidence that he was going to get the job done, and he hits a two-run double off the Green Monster. And the thing is, he probably did, too. You know, the confidence yeah. for him right now is probably, you know, slim to none. Back then, he was probably like, oh, you know, I, I hit 333 last year. I had a great spring training. It's, it's time to go. And then the confidence affects the game. It's everything. Well, absolutely. And so what does Mountcastle do? He works it to a 2-2 count, and then he swings at a pitch that's over the white chalk of the left-handed batter's box, comes nowhere near touching it. He strikes out. I tweeted, and I did this on purpose. I, I put out a tweet that said, the Orioles aren't going to score here. And I did it because you can't say it in the moment because you're going to jinx it if you guys believe in such things. If, you, if you're into baseball, if you're a baseball player such as myself, you're superstitious. So I didn't want to jinx it, but I, I tweeted that as a reverse lock, thinking if I show little to no faith, they're going to get the job done to spite me. And sure enough, I tweeted that, and then Pedro Severino rips an RBI single into left field. But then Galvis pops out. and First pitch, too. First pitch. Yeah. First pitch. And 
Urias. What did Urias do? Did he strike out? No, no, no. He 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 got out. Um, I think he grounded out to the second yeah, baseman up the middle. Didn't hit the ball hard. Uh, right. It, it. They brought in a reliever. Uh, what? God, why can't I think of this reliever's name? They. Well, anyway, was it JB uh, Wendelkin or however you pronounce his name? It's it's a tough one, but uh, I don't think so. Let's go back and we'll check the box. He did score. pitch last night. I'm not sure who who you're talking about at the exact time. We'll 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 check the box score from last night. Real quick, but the, look, it, with one out in the sixth inning, Irvin gets gets the uh, gets the hook right, right, and so they bring in a reliever, Pettit. Petit, oh yeah, yeah. Petit, Petit, right, exactly. He comes in, he gets uh, Galvis and Rios on three pitches. He gets two outs on three pitches, yeah. and this has been my gripe with this team all season. And we're gonna get into it again. We're gonna we're gonna get into this. Um, in Orioles banter, you have the bases loaded. You have one down, a run already home. Right. You have the hottest team in baseball on the ropes. And you get two outs on three pitches. I mean, all you really have to do is hit a medium deep fly ball, and that's going to get a guy home. I mean, that's all you had to do. And they don't they don't even try to take decent at-bats. I mean, like you said, first pitch for Freddie Galvis, he just pops it up. It's like... What do you do? Take a pitch. See something. Right. This guy's coming out of the bullpen. You haven't seen him before. It's not like you just watched him on the on deck circle. You haven't seen this guy. You know, don't don't swing at the first and he does. So well, I I get I get the ambush. I get that. Right? I I understand because sometimes that works. Sometimes that works. The guy comes in, True. he wants to get ahead, he wants to do his job, he throws you a first pitch fastball, you jump all over it. I understand that. But I mean, it's just a pattern of the at-bats being poor for the Orioles. This is nothing new. I mean, this has been what they've had for the entire year so far. Your best hitters are having poor at-bats, and they're not working the count. They're not waiting until they see a strike. They're just swinging at any you know, any pitch that comes in there, and that's just not going to be a recipe for success at all. You're never well, going to get anywhere that way. Well, and the ambush, the ambush by Galvis was on an 80-mile-an-hour changeup. I understand a changeup coming out of the hand looks like a fastball. The arm mm-hmm. motion is the same. It's meant to deceive you. That's why it's called a changeup. But an 80-mile-an-hour changeup, and that's what you jump on. Yeah, I, I think he timed it up pretty well. He just got way under it, like a r- ridiculous amount. Of, that was a high pop-up. So, and and uh, maybe he's looking for the changeup. Maybe, maybe he knows this guy has an incredible changeup. That's what he's going to throw first pitch. Well, then don't dip that back shoulder and pop the damn thing up. Right. But you got to have better at-bats. You ha- you have to have better at bats and all season long. And look, this team is tenth in the American League in runs scored. They're fourteenth out of fifteen teams in home runs. Fourth in case. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We're gonna get to that in the Orioles banter. The the, the story of this game certainly was not the Orioles pitching. They've allowed three runs or fewer in six of the last seven games, and they've lost three of the last four games, and they've allowed one run or fewer. I think in all of them. Or three runs or fewer in all of them. Yeah, I mean, they haven't been allowing a lot of runs. The bullpen is has been amazing. I mean, starting rotation, that's, you know, we've talked about that a lot, but let's just take a minute to appreciate what the bullpen has done. Cole Saucer comes in last night and throws in excellent two innings. Um, you know, Travis Lakins, who has had some struggles in spring training this year, comes out. He looks great all of a sudden. I mean, the bullpen has been great. The starting pitching has been good enough to let the Orioles get back into games, let the Orioles win games. You know, if you give up two runs over five innings, that is a win. That is a great, great job by your starting pitcher especially in the rebuilding you know era of the Orioles right now so they, they've been getting the, the the pitching they just haven't been able to put any runs on the board and it's it, it's not ending well and, and speaking of the pitching okay 
you mentioned the bullpen. They were outstanding yeah. again, as they have been most of this year. Five innings pitched, two hits, no runs, no walks, five Ks. Bullpen did their job, as they've been doing all year. Jorge Lopez. Look, man, I was talking about it in spring training. Every game that he started, he got lit up. Every game that he came in in relief, he dominated. This is a guy who has electric mm-hmm. electric stuff in short stints. Now, look, I get it. His last start against the Rangers, he was painting the black at 97 in the fifth inning. But also against the Rangers. I mean, this is a a team that's rebuilding and not winning a lot of games. Right. So that's why. You're right, but... but he he's still doing that against major league hitters. True, they they true. have some major league hitters in that lineup. You know what I mean? And, For sure. And, and he was doing his job. Then he comes out in this game, four innings pitch, five hits, three earned runs, two walks, one strikeout, one home run allowed. My I was in the restaurant last night. My aunt and uncle were uh, <coughs> were dining as they always do on a Friday night. They come in to see me, and I told and I look up at the at the screen and I'm watching Jorge Lopez pitch in the second inning. He has no command. He's not hitting his spots. He's giving up. He's throwing, in my opinion, non-competitive pitches. Even the pitches in the strike zone, they're getting hit. And I mentioned to my aunt and uncle, I said, he's not making it to the fifth inning. He'll give up four runs in four innings. He won't make it to the fifth. I was damn close. Three runs in four innings. He didn't make it to the fifth inning. He's got a 8-13 ERA in four starts. He has one good start of the four. Against, right. a, against a rebuilding ball club. Now, look, the game against the Yankees is first start. Maybe not his fault, but you can't, sure. you can't walk three batters in that fifth inning. And also, let's remember in the Texas game, he pitched really well for the majority of that. But right at the end of that start there, he started to give up some more hits, started to, to get back into the zone, not painting the black as much. So Well, it's, it's, it, he fell behind those two right, hitters he was falling and, behind, and gives right. up back-to-back home runs. And the, what plagues the Orioles, the Orioles pitching staff, and what plagued Dean Kramer um, command. is command, not being able to throw strike one. And Bruce Zimmerman, he's able to throw strike one. John Means is able. John Means worst start. He gave up three runs in five innings, but he because he was unable to throw strike one. But he minimized and limited the damage. That's what a starting pitcher does. Jorge right. Lopez, look, he's a placeholder right now, as is Matt Harvey. Um, really, those are those are the two placeholders. You expect yeah. you expect John Means if he's not traded. And we hope he's not traded. We, you expect him to fill a rotation spot when this team gets back to contention. You expect Bruce Zimmerman to hold a rotation spot when this team gets back to contention. Jorge Lopez, he's a placeholder. There's no doubt about that. Right. But could he carve out a better role as a reliever? If this dude can dial it up to the upper 90s and paint the black, isn't he more suited for a shorter stint? I mean, look, the, the Orioles have Wade LeBlanc as their long guy right now. That's and, and Adam Pletko, but Adam Pletko is more of your winning games, you know, tie games. That's when He's you're going to bring fantastic. in. He's been fantastic. He has been. But Wade LeBlanc is the guy that's going to kind of have mop-up duty. When, you know, when it's when it's 8 to nothing, and, and Wade LeBlanc will come in and throw two or three innings, and that's kind of what he does. But why not replace Wade LeBlanc with Jorge Lopez in that role? Give Jorge Lopez a three-outing you know, three outing stint, see how he does out of the bullpen. Like you said, I mean, he runs it up there 98, 99 miles per hour. Nobody's hitting that right out of the bullpen. I mean, maybe they'll catch up to it at some point in your outing. But if you if you take him in a one or two, maybe even three-inning stint, I think Jorge Lopez can be very effective. And I will say, last night, I thought that the two-seam from Jorge Lopez was the best two-seam I've ever seen out of Jorge Lopez, and they were still all over it. I don't know. It, stuff doesn't always translate. That's kind of the message here, I guess, for Lopez. Well, but here's the other thing. <clears throat> we're not giving credit where credit is due. The Athletics are a good baseball team. Oh, very, yeah. And, yeah. and, and here's the thing. I thought they would have a significant drop-off this year, and then they started 0-6. I thought that they were going to—you know, they lost Simeon. Uh, they lost Hendricks. So I thought they were going to have a serious drop-off. And they haven't. 
They start 0-6, right. and, and, and then they win 13 of their next 14 games. Uh, this is a good baseball team. Bob Melvin has that team in the playoffs six of the last 10 years. I think he only has three losing seasons in, in his 10 years managing this ball club. On, uh, they're a good baseball team. And when you're that hot, you don't win 12 games in a row by accident. Some of those games, maybe the like the game on uh, on Wednesday, the game on Wednesday where the Athletics they're, they're down 12 to 10 going to the bottom of the 10th inning. There's two outs, but they have the bases loaded. Ground ball to second, booted. Uh, a run scores to make it 12 to 11. Then ground ball to third base, guy throws it away. throws it away. Two run score. They they score three runs and walk the game off without the benefit of a hit. Uh, sometimes games like that happen. That's how you get to 12 game, twelve wins in a row. Right. I mean, when you're winning that many games, things like that are just going to happen. That's that's just, it's almost, you know, momentum, I guess. But for the most part, you you got you to gotta play good baseball. And this team does that. They're pitching well. They're hitting well. I'm watching them in that second inning, and I'm like, oh, my God. They only scored two runs, but it shocked me that they only scored two runs because it seemed like everybody was just getting base hits. I, it, and... Look, I was I was working, so I'm looking up, I'm looking down, I'm looking up, I'm looking down. Um, but it just it, it seemed like, you know, just these well placed seeing eye singles to right field to left field. It, it just this is a good baseball team right. who's doing what it takes to win, especially when you're winning 12 games in a row. And the Orioles, they aren't there. They they aren't there. You, you expect them. And, and again, you could have the reverse lock. You could have the reverse lock. Well, they've won 11 games in a row. They're due for a letdown. So maybe the Orioles can win a game or two uh, in this series. And they still could. They could win today and they could win tomorrow. And they win the series. I doubt it. You know, you just hope at this point they don't get swept, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what you look for. And I mean, the Orioles, it, it was a 3-1 game last night. It's not a game they couldn't have come back in. It's not like this one was, you know, over at, at any point in the game. It was, it was they had the chances. But you almost kind of knew it was over. You you know you looked at the three one game in the eighth inning and you were like, they're not going to score runs here. You just kind of know. I mean, there's not one hitter in this lineup who comes up right now that I go, he's going to hit a home run. You know, a two run home run. We're going to get right back into this game. I just don't really see that with the Orioles right now, and that's a problem. I mean, there you just when you're down three one, you have to have the ability to come back, and they don't. That's just kind of the problem right now. No, absolutely. And in the last week, arguably their best player, even though he's struggling right now, Anthony Santander, he rolls yep. his ankle. Guys, uh, if I have any young baseball players listening to this show right now, when you go back to the bag on a pickoff at first base... Head first. Head first. Yep. And, and look, not many people advocate for the head first dive. There are very few times. Getting back to the bag at first base is one of the few times where I will advocate... Now look, when I play, I'm gritty. I like to dive head first into the bag when I'm sealing a bag because I, I feel like I have better control over where I put my hands than I do with my feet. Yep. But when you're going back to first base, it's such such a jolting motion and it's such a short distance. Do not go back in feet first. Yeah, and the other thing about that, I mean, there's such a better chance you're going to get picked off. I mean, going back in feet first, it gives you way more of your body right there for the first baseman to tag than if you're sliding under the tag like you should be. So right. it, it's, like you said, I mean, you run right into the base, his ankle just kind of like snapped. It was not a pretty thing. Um, and Luckily, it's just a sprain. Just a sprain, yeah. Just a sprain. But And Lord knows I've had my fair share of ankle sprains. I think I've severely sprained to almost the point of breaking both of my ankles two to, two to four times each. That's um, rough. I've been on crutches a couple of times because of all from playing basketball, never from playing baseball but I I did when I was when I was growing up I played baseball my best friend at the time was on my team the only year he's on my team in our second game of the year he slid 
feet first into the bag at third base trying to leg out a triple, broke his ankle. Yep. He, he missed he missed the rest of the baseball season and his entire football season because he broke his ankle. Feet first on a pickoff, don't do it. Anthony Santander learned the hard way. He's out two to four weeks. Now, look, I looked at that, and I thought to myself, man, that sucks. But the Orioles had a long jam. It was Austin Hayes' first game back off the I.L. And you're trying to figure out how you're going to play Hayes, Mullins, Santander, Mountcastle, and Stewart all at the same time. Right. Well, that's five quality guys that you have to find a spot for, and you can't. Right. Yeah. And, and now, look— I'm not saying that DJ Stewart's a better player than Santander, but he's getting a chance now to play every day, and he's got better on base abilities. I mean, he's playing better at, at the current moment, yeah, right? And it, he's 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 got the better batter's eye. He has better, more competitive at bats at this point. And, and again, we saw Santander take those ten walks in spring training, but that hasn't. He has two walks the entire regular season. Uh, it, it's one of those things. And here's a question: Is DJ Stewart going to take that job from him? Is Santander going to come back and not have a spot? Uh, Santander might get you know traded as soon as he comes back. Who knows? The Orioles could have that in the works right now. I think that you know we, we talked about it in the offseason that it kind of might be a, a a way to make the logjam a little less. I mean, DJ Stewart, if he keeps playing the way he is and he gets on base like he is and he he keeps hitting the ball well and he has been, he's going to have a spot. I mean, you can't deny a guy just because you think someone else is more talented. If he's hitting the ball well, if he's playing well. DJ Stewart's going to be in the lineup. Yeah, he has to be. I mean, he's having the best at bats right. of anybody on the team. Now, look, he's only batting 250, but I said this during spring training before he got hurt. DJ Stewart is what makes this engine go, in my opinion. This is a guy you bat him in this in the two hole. And I said during spring training, if he hits 250, that's a near 400 on base percentage right. for DJ Stewart. That's a dude that gets on base. All he has to do is hit 250. You'd rather see 260, 270, maybe 280. But 250 gets him on base at a 400 clip, and it sets the tone for the rest of the line, which is why I think he's a perfect two-hitter. But they keep at him third, fourth, fifth. I think he's the perfect two-hitter. Um, now, look, we got to get to the rest of the show. You mentioned Cole Salser. Um, two innings, two scoreless innings uh, last night, three strikeouts, four appearances. He has allowed zero runs. More importantly, zero walks. Ten strikeouts and six in the third innings pitched. This is giving... Uh, giving credit to the idea that the foot injury that he was pitching with last year was damn substantial uh, because he's proving that he's healthy now and he's putting the ball over the plate. He's throwing strikes. He's not walking, guys. Cole Sulcer is looking like the pitcher that the Orioles thought that he was going into last season and made him their, for lack of a better term, their closer. Sean Armstrong, on the other hand, he's been bad this year, but he has been scoreless uh, in three of his last four four appearances. Uh, an inning pitch, two Ks, no hits, no walks, no runs last night. Uh, but his ERA still sits at 14.40, but he's getting better. He's getting better. Um, rest of the show, before we get to Zach signing off segment and Stan on the line, um, we have Stan the Fan Charles. He joins us momentarily for his weekly segment. We have the editor for Press Box, or the managing editor, editor Luke Jackson, at 10.50. The payoff pitch around the league at 11.15-ish. Uh, we have Orioles banter, the good and the bad. We already touched on it a little bit in this opening segment, but we'll get to it more in depth at 11.20. Uh, from Barstool Sports, we have Eric Arditi, um, big champion of Mo Gabba, uh, friends with, um, with uh, Trey Mancini, so this is a great guest to have on the show. He joins us at 11.35, and then everybody's favorite to round things out, take to rake. Uh, I don't know if there's a winner this week. 
Yeah, it's going to be kind of tough. We'll, we'll talk it out at the we'll, end. We'll talk it out at the end. But right now, we have sounding off with Zach Goodman before we get Stan on. Yeah, so I want to talk about Jemai Jones for a minute because Jemai Jones is obviously down there at kind of the AAA site, which is the Bowie alternate training site right now. That's where the AAA guys are. You're going to see Yusniel Diaz, um, you know, the Ryan McKenna, 4A-type player kind of guys as well. Um, and one of those guys is Jemai Jones, and he has played extremely well down there right now. As far as we know, 7 for 10. That's, that's 700 batting average so far. He's hit a couple homers. Um, he just apparently has looked electric down there. And Jemai Jones, we know the, the bat's solid. The defense is kind of the question for him since he is a converted center fielder. He's a guy who kind of is new to second base. But Jemai Jones is making an impact there. And the Orioles don't right now have an impact second baseman. They have no one who, in my opinion, is holding down the fort for them right now. Rio Ruiz, Ramon Urias. I mean, these guys are, are, are barely, you know, one of them is batting well under 200. One of them is barely batting at the Mendoza line. So... Neither of these guys are impact players. You know, the, the defense maybe for, for Ruiz is solid enough to, to keep him on this team. But, look, Jemai Jones is ready. You know, the Angels gave him a short stint. They already kind of started his clock, so to speak. So it just makes sense for the Orioles to promote Jemai Jones. Maybe he gives a little bit of spark to your lineup. I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, he might not have the same success at the Major League level, but I think he's earned his spot at least soon. I'm, I'm not saying, like, right at this moment, but I think soon Jemai Jones should get promoted. I really do. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think they want him to get some AAA games. Mm -hmm. I think it's too early yep. to promote him. I agree with you. They don't have an impact second baseman. Rio Ruiz isn't going to get it. He hasn't gotten a job done in three years, right? Uh, and he's shown nothing this year that would indicate that he's going to get that job done uh, this year. Uh, Ramon Urias, every now and again, he, he puts together a nice little stretch, but his defense is kind of lacking, um, and the bat's inconsistent. Look, Jemai Jones, he had a cup of coffee uh, with the Angels last year, had three hits and seven at-bats, I think. Um, but look, he's a, he, he's a center fielder, as you mentioned. He's a center fielder who's transitioning to second base. The defense isn't where they want it to be just yet, and I think that's what's going to hold him back, ultimately. Look, look, you can hit... You can go 10 for 15 in your first three games down, down at the minor league level at the alternate training site, but you're facing other minor league players. That doesn't mean that you're going to come up to the major leagues and and do what you were doing. Look at, look at the struggles Ryan Mountcastle's having right now. But the Orioles certainly at some point, even though it is a rebuilding year, you can't accept... 160 from your second baseman, even in, even in a platoon, you can't accept it. You you can't continue to put people out there that don't play good defense and don't put the bat on the ball. With that in mind, I'm interested to hear Stan the fans take on this. Stan, how are you this morning? I'm great, guys. How you doing? How you doing, Zach? Doing pretty good, Stan. Thanks. Yeah, we're we're doing well. Now, what do you think of this idea from Zach? And other people are clamoring clamoring for it too. Uh, Jemai Jones off to a hot start at the ATS. Uh, what are your thoughts on the idea of recalling him and sending somebody down? Well, first of all, I, I was unaware he's off to a hot start at the eight, at the alternate site. I mean, I know he hit a home run last night in that game they played against the Nationals uh, minor leaguers. Oh, another one. Okay. Uh, okay. No, no, yeah, that, he didn't homer last night. That was on April 20th. Okay. Got it. Okay. They, they, on Masson, they mentioned it last night as if it happened last night. Right. Uh-uh. I've, I'm very unimpressed with his offensive uh, acumen up to this point, uh, and I think that was further backed up by how he performed in spring training. That doesn't mean I've made up my mind on him. It just means he's not an imminent call-up for me because uh, I think 
I, I tend to agree more with you, Paul. I think they'd like to see him have three weeks or a month of minor league numbers and see whether he really deserves that rather than just sort of hand it to, hand it to him and it become the whole position becomes a total hot potato, you know, where there's nobody really grabbing it. So, well, um, certainly nobody's yeah. seizing this job at second base. And when we say hot start, I think he was seven for his first nine in his first three games. Yeah, so that's, was, that's a pretty hot start. Around seven for ten, I think it was. And then there was okay. another game last night that the Orioles scored, I think, 11 runs, and the box score hasn't come out yet. So we, he might have been okay. part of that as well. Okay, well, it might have been. Uh, I'd still like to see it at the AAA level, even Agreed. though these games are probably mostly AA and AAA players. I'd still like to see it in the in the regular games when they start. <laughs> Listen, I think I think that uh, we're seeing uh, you know it's one thing to trade a Dylan Bundy and watch him go on to have some pretty good success in in Los Angeles, but I think we're seeing a real Alex Cobb that there's really not much left in the tank there, and the Orioles uh, said as much by eating as much money as they did, and by eating as much money as they did. They were able to extract a very good athlete who I'm not saying will never make an impact with the Orioles. I just wouldn't be in a hurry to make it happen right now. So, By the way, is is Valeka at the at the alternate site? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. And how is he playing? Do we know? Uh, I, I have to check the box score in some of the games. But I, I do kind of want to okay. talk about second base because – you know, Ray Ruiz, he's hitting around 160. He hasn't really had yeah. any impact. And I think offensively, the value has to be negative right now. I mean, he hasn't done anything, really. He's hit, hit a few home runs, but it's been a struggle for him. Um, his, his biggest accomplishment is that he's placed a nice second base. You know? Yeah, that, that's that's really it. I mean, yeah. is there a guy offensively, out Offensively, he's not much. There's no question about that. So if, if it's not Jemai Jones for you, is there a guy out there who could replace Rio Ruiz? And it, obviously Ramon Urias could be that guy. I, I'm not sure if he's better. Yeah, but is, Frankly, guys, this is one of those things that the club's financial outlook right now uh, dictated that they weren't going to get caught paying Hanser Alberto like $3 million plus. Right. Uh, that's the guy who should be on this team, and we'd have a, a much better outlook. You know, than we do right now. Well, you know, it's one thing when you trade in Iglesias to cut a salary and you get another couple pitching prospects. It's another thing to just DFA a, a player like Alberto because you know you, you'd rather be paying him one point seven than three million dollars. You know, that's a that's a very vastly different story. Well, let me ask you this: uh, Do you think that there's a chance that Richie Martin? is getting looks at second base at the ATS, and maybe he'll have an opportunity to come up here and play some second base. His bat came on at the end of the 2019 season. I think he hit 280 the last two months of the year, uh, and that's certainly somebody who can provide solid defense and maybe you know use some of his speed that Arias and Ruiz lack to get on base a la Cedric Mullins. I, I think you're thinking more along the lines that I'm thinking of right now is that of a Valeka or a Richie Martin getting looks at second base at the big league level is more attractive than Urias and uh, um, than Ruiz. Although I admit, I'm, I'm I won't say I'm intrigued. That's too strong a word about Urias. I'd like to see him play for like a week straight and let me see what he looks like. You know, um, he looks like he he can hit a little bit. 
uh, and he certainly can do the job over at second. He's not great out over there. But Richie Martin right now would be much more interesting to me uh, than Jemai Jones. And, again, I haven't dismissed him entirely, but I just uh, his minor league numbers never really impressed me. Yeah, I, my fear. My fear is he's like sort of a a Jeffrey Hammonds esque player that that they love the uh, they love the athleticism, but not the um, they love the athleticism, but the hit tool just might not be there. We'll see. We certainly will see. He had some success yep. early on in his minor league career. They tried to change his, his swing. Uh, he, he started to falter, and they went back to what got him there to, in the first place and started playing better. So we'll see what happens with Jemai Jones. Now with the Orioles, Stan, they lose to the Athletics 3-1 to last night, as every team has done to the Athletics for the last 12 days. 12th straight win for the Athletics. Orioles pitched, Orioles, uh, their pitching staff is doing their job, Stan. They've allowed three runs or fewer in 10 of 19 games uh, this year and six of the last seven. Uh, the bullpen has been phenomenal. Seven relievers with sub four ERAs, five with sub two. Uh, what are you seeing from this pitching staff uh, before we talk about that game last night that has you impressed? Um, I, I like you like you say. I'm I'm impressed with the possibilities of the bullpen. The most disappointing guy out of the bullpen this year has, to me, has been Armstrong. Uh, although last night. Uh, either he had a come to Jesus meeting with himself or or with Brandon Hyde, uh, but he he pitched like he knew last night that his major league life depended upon it. He really had some life. He was aggressive in the strike zone. Uh, so so let's hope he can straighten himself out. With the guy who's been most impressive to me is Cole Salzer. Uh, I, those two innings last night, those were the those were the kind of innings we saw out of Solzer in spring training a year ago, and that ultimately led the team to sort of give him a, a look-see at uh, the closer role, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Paul. And uh, unfortunately, we found out later they had this foot injury that really, you know, a foot injury for a pitcher, not a real good thing, whichever foot it is, either the one you're pushing off on or the one you're landing on, not real good. Knowing somebody like that, he probably kept it kept it under under wraps because this was his first big opportunity to pitch in the major leagues and and really do something, you know. But I like I like the way he looks a lot right now. Yeah, the bullpen has been very good. They were a top ten unit last year. The the sixth best bullpen in the majors this year in the early going. When somebody th- there's not really many pitchers in this bullpen that when they come in you don't feel confident that they're going to get the job done. It seems like everybody knows their role and everybody does it fairly well. Even Armstrong, yeah, his ERA is fourteen forty, but he's had three of his last four appearances were scoreless. He looked fantastic last night. So you think that maybe he's starting to turn the corner. How much of the success, Stan, of this pitching staff can you attribute to Chris Holt and Darren Holmes? Well, I think they, uh, you know, I, I look, I the only thing I understand about analytics is that I don't understand it all that much. <laughs> but I, I appreciate how important it is. And these guys seem like they're teaching pitching at the at the level that you want in today's game, you know, uh, with with a spin rate and the, the, the differential between the two-seam fastball and the four-seam fastball and all that stuff, they have this team pitching about as well as I think they can. 
there's no question they've helped uh, Bruce Zimmerman quite a bit. There's no question Chris Holt has helped John Means. Those two guys look like, you know, again, barring a trade of one of them, uh, and I, don't, I certainly don't think they would trade Zimmerman at this time, nor do I really think they're interested in shopping Means around. But those two guys really look like they're developing into pieces that will be here when this team's ready to really compete. So, Stan, we could get to this a little later. I think Paul has a question there for you, but the Orioles are probably going to have to make a roster move today to bring up a starter. They could make this a bullpen game with a guy like Wade LeBlanc, but they're they're going to have to probably send a guy down from that bullpen to bring up another starter to, to make his appearance today. So, with the bullpen pitching so well, who would you even option at this point? If you is option a bull, is option a bull, is option a bull, is option a bull, is option a bull would be um, would be Dylan Tate yeah, or Travis or Travis Lakins, you know. Um, and I'm assuming Lakins has options, so uh, I, those would be the two guys. I think Solser is pitching. Look, I don't expect him to unseat. Um, Valdez right now as the closer, but I did something that was very risky the other day. Um, I, I bid on a Toronto closer possibility and I was convinced. I said to myself, this is like Wednesday, Wednesday night when Anthony Castro came in and got a one out save for Toronto and I knew nobody in my league had bid for him. So I bid a dollar for him and dropped Solzer. Uh, of course, Solzer now looks absolutely fantastic. So he has that going for him as well, that uh, he's off of my team. So he can really look good. Uh, I, I think Solzer, before it's all said and done, will get some save opportunities. Well, that's only if Cesar Val- Valdez falters and relinquishes that role. Right now, he's leading. He's tied for the American League lead with four, with four saves. He's got a .96 ERA. People can't seem to hit that dead fish changeup. That I think he, I believe, he throws eighty percent of the time. Uh, Cesar Valdez seems to be dominating after discovering that new pitch. No, he looks. He looks absolutely fantastic right now, Cesar Valdez. My my worry with him. It's just a slight one is that, you know, the workload, if we get into a streak one week where we play three or four close games, I'm not sure he can come back and do it two, three days in a row. You know, so I think I think Solzer is moving into that second role there. Yeah, he, he and Tanner Scott could could handle the role if he could throw strikes, but that's a, that's a topic for another day. The Orioles certainly, it's nice that they have a, a bunch of arms in that bullpen that could, that could fulfill that role if they need yep. to. Um, now, Stan, uh, on the other end of things, again, the Orioles lose that game last night. It was the A's 12th straight win, five and a third innings pitched by Irvin um, with one earned run allowed and six strikeouts. Uh, Bob Melvin, he has his team in contention every year. They've rattled off, again, 12 straight wins. They're 13-7. and seven. They're leading the American League West. They've been in the playoffs six of the last ten years. I never really feel like they have too dominant of a team, yet there they are winning 90-plus games every year. And yet Bob Melvin doesn't have a contract extension beyond this year. Is this something that you think you expect the uh, athletics to, to rectify, or do you think that he goes through this year without something and maybe goes to a contender next year? You know, it's, it's a really interesting possibility you bring up. You know, I was looking that up the other day and noticed that he is not signed beyond this year. He came out, I guess, somebody at a post-game press conference or a pre-game press conference 
asked him, you know, about this, and he said, hey, he's got no desire to go anywhere else. He loves it there. But you, you sort of wonder, he's, he's got to be probably, he's the longest tenured manager in the American League now, like nine-plus seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to think he's probably in that $5 million range now. Uh, he's, he's, in my opinion, he's the best manager in baseball right now. And if the A's don't, don't, I'm not saying it's imminent that they've got to do something tomorrow, but if you get into June, June 15th or something like that, and he hasn't gotten a contract, he's human too, just like the players. And they, they, he might say, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm close enough to free agency that I want to explore free agency. And I think he'd be, um, I think Aaron Boone is really going to be on the hot seat in New York. And I, and I don't think the La Russa, uh, situation, even if he's successful, I'm not so sure. I watched Tony. He doesn't look comfortable. He, you know, um, I just think that was just a horrible decision to turn over. It's like turning over a Porsche to a guy that's uh, ready to have his license taken away from him. You know, I, I don't see. So I think Bob Melvin could have a couple real uh, interesting options. And uh, it's interesting. You know, he had two other managerial opportunities, and you would clearly say he was a flop in Seattle and a flop with the Diamondbacks. But uh, he got his third chance with the A's, and he's really made it pay off. But you bring up an interesting point. I think he'd be very highly sought after by a team like the Yankees. Well, yeah, especially when the Yankees got off to that 5-10 and 10 start. Uh, they've ha- they yep. have won three or four since that start yep, to kind of cool the heads to, uh, up there in New yep. York. Um, put on a power display last night with four home runs. But, yeah, the Yankees could be a, a, an interesting job. And, and, look, not only is Aaron Boone on the hot seat, but he's also just had a pacemaker put in. He's had the heart issues. Uh, you wonder, you know, we've seen Terry Francona have to have to miss some time because of, of health issues. The game is stressful. You see guys go gray when they start managing baseball teams. Uh, you have to wonder – uh, how much longer Aaron Boone can sustain managing, especially in a high-pressure situation like New York Yankees? Yeah, I'm, I'm not that. I'm not that worried about his health at this point in time. Um, but, but you know, I, I think he's he's in a pressure cooker there. You know, I think they have to make it to the World Series um, or come very close, you know, to making it to the World Series for for him. And I'm not sure that team that Brian Cashman has built, I'm not sure the pitching can hold up. I'm just not really sure. I, th- I think this jet... Although, although they've got some help, they, like with Debbie, Debbie Garcia, will we'll probably be up sometime soon, but the pitching there, not, not great. Yeah, I think when we look at managers, I, I struggle to know sometimes how much effect they actually have on their teams and their players because we don't see what they do behind the scenes. But how much does a guy like Aaron Boone really affect what the Yankees are doing? Obviously, the Yankees are a well-built-out team. They've got a lot of stars. They've got a lot of great players. Is Aaron Boone really the reason they're not winning, or is it something else behind it? I mean, it just Aaron Boone is probably a part of the effect. But I, it's interesting to know how much you think a manager actually has on the uh, impact has on the game. Well, I think that, you know, do, do I think that Bob Melvin's X's and O's are what, what win games? I, I doubt that very much, you know. But I think you take a team that lost its first six games of the year, 
There's an awful lot of teams in Major League Baseball, if they started a season 0-6, that would sort of panic. And and Bob is sort of is an easy rider, uh, and he sets a he sets a tone, uh, a professional tone, and and he takes things seriously. But I think his players have fun out there, and uh, I don't think I think he sets the right tone. Um, Aaron Boone, you know, came out of nowhere to manage. He's done a he's done a good job. I think some of the problems with the team are more roster construct than him. But it's New York, and uh, I think if they don't make it to the World Series, he's in a he's in a good bit of trouble. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's World Series or bust for the Yankees every year, despite the fact that they haven't been there since two thousand nine. Um, that was their last World Series championship, as it, as it is. Uh, not getting there for more than a decade is a big deal. In New York, and Aaron Boone is—he's he, going to take the blame. It—you it, it, can have Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge strike out two hundred times this year. You can have Gary Sanchez bat, bat below the Mendoza line, but Aaron Boone's the one who's going to take the heat from that. He's the one whose whose seat is warming up, not those guys. It never falls on the players; it's always the manager. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there, and I just um, again—he's—he's he's not like a long-term manager who's got a lot of skin in that game. I do think he sets the right tone for the most part, but I just think his results have not been that, you know, they haven't been great. At least not this year. This is a team that's won 100 games each of the last two years. They've made it to the ALCS uh, each of the last two full seasons. They've made it to the ALCS a couple of times. So this is a team that's played well, but they're off to a slow start this year. Seem to be heating up a little bit now. Um, Now, speaking of heating up, this this. These two Dodgers-Padres series, we think it's going to be like this all year. It's been impressive. Three of five games have been decided by three runs or less. One of the games that wasn't was an 11-6 final in 12 innings. Last night's game, it was a 6-1 to win for the Padres, but it was 3-1 to heading into the ninth inning. Padres have won the last three games, though, in this series, Stan. Do you view this as a sign that this team not only expects to compete with the Dodgers, but to overtake them? Well, I mean, it's nice that they've won the last three of the Dodgers. They somehow missed the point of beating the Milwaukee Brewers, though, and got (laughs) swept by the Brewers at home in San Diego uh, in between. So, uh, I'm look, there's a world of talent on that San Diego Padre team, but I don't think they're in the same league as the the Dodgers. And I think... think, um, you could argue that they won these three games almost because they had to win those three games. You know, well, but yeah. I think I think the Dodgers are are just significantly ahead of the Padres. Yeah, well, and the Dodgers are significantly ahead of everybody. I mean, they, they have they have six yeah. guys for I their mean, rotation. They're, the, they're, they're clearly the best team in baseball and have the, the most depth. And when they want to, when they need to, they they put 80 million dollars in Trevor Bauer's hands you know it's it's crazy how the rich just get richer despite the fact that there's a luxury tax that they can just go out there and even though they were already over the luxury tax they were able to give 15 million dollars a year to Justin Turner it kind of blows my mind that they're able to do that um now look you have the Dodgers in your power rankings ranked first you have the Padres ranked second there's been no hangover so far to start the year in L.A. They have the best record in baseball. They clearly are the best team in baseball. Do you expect them to be the runaway with for the World Series this year? I, I'd say right now, you know, depending upon injuries to the pitching staff, 
you know, uh, I think they're, I think they're in a great position, you know, and I think, uh, as I think I may have said last Saturday, I think the, the biggest thing they have, have to work on is getting that late game leverage, high leverage situation in the bullpen figured out. And whether it's a time split between Jen, Jansen, uh, Knable and David Price, uh, I think David Price is the, is the guy to me that I'd want in the game at the end right now. Jansen to me, I, I know his numbers are probably pretty decent, but to me, he slid uh, significantly over the past couple of years. And it has to do with his fastball velocity and his, his ability to really get a hit of headers, a hit of headers, ahead of hitters and put them away. Um, it dates back to that World Series they lost to Houston when, what was it, Marwin Gonzalez hit the home run, the right. game tying home run off of him. I, I don't think he's been the same relief pitcher since that season. Yeah, uh, it, he doesn't seem to be nearly as dominant. Now, you mit, you mentioned Knable. He left the game last night after throwing just a couple of pitches uh, with elbow discomfort, and he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. It's looking like – I'm sure they plan for him to get an MRI. They don't know the severity yep. of the injury, but it's looking like he may miss him significant time, if not the rest of the year. I did not know that. Okay. So well, that, then it's, it's Jansen and uh, David Price. They've got one other guy out there, and I don't, I don't quite know whether he's capable of closing games, but I wouldn't see why. Uh, they made a very shrewd pickup. They did it two years in a row and got nothing out of them last year, but Jimmy Nelson has been a pretty valuable member of their bullpen, but he's been more of a long guy. Yeah, he's a guy that I, that I saw coming to the game last night. ERA about four and a quarter, but his opponent's batting average is one thirty three. So that's a guy whose numbers you're going you're to see start to improve as the year continues. Now, Stan, we're running out of, out of time here, but before we let you go, you do I do want to ask you one more question about your power rankings that you put out every Monday, I believe. Is that correct? They released every Monday around 12 noon to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Right, every Monday. Well, this past Monday, you had the Nationals ranked 22nd. I picked them, I picked them to win uh, the East in the National League this year. Um, they've gotten off to a really slow start. Why have they gotten off to such a slow start? Well, you know, in fairness to to Mike Rizzo and, and, and manager Dave Martinez, you know, you get hit with that. You come out of spring training – and you're chomping at the bit to get the season underway, and you get hit with the COVID scare, uh, and it's it's really set them back quite a bit, you know. Uh, and they haven't fully recovered. The injury to Strasburg is, uh, well, you know, it's near catastrophic for them. And Patrick Corbin's been awful so far this year. Now, the good news for them is that Eric Fetty has pitched well. Didn't pitch well last night. But um, and he was going up against a tough customer. He would have had to have been on amazingly as Jacob DeGrom beat them and struck out 15 batters and shut them out last night at City Field. Um, they, listen, they made some calculated gambles in, in sort of sort of restirring that roster. And up, up to this point in time, they look to be more in trouble than, than ready to, to have some smooth sailing. But I will admit that that whole division, you know, that looked to be a four-team dogfight, you know, that was going to be led by Atlanta and the Mets, the Phillies and the Nationals, all jumbled together, maybe within six games of each other at the end. But so far, 
the Phillies and the Nationals really aren't holding up their end of the bargain. Um, Atlanta's been hit with some injuries, uh, some big injuries. But uh, the New York Mets, to me, uh, I had them number three this week in the power rankings. I think they've they're they're close to really having something special there. I don't think they're quite there yet, but uh, they seem to be the best team in the division so far. Well, certainly, and they have the best pitcher on the planet in Jacob Degrom, who's been absolutely phenomenal through four yep. starts. And he he, he looks sure like has. he looks on track for his third Cy Young in the last four seasons. Uh, if things continue this way, Stan, we got to get going. But, I know you do. Real quick though, Max Scherzer. I I started to mention him, but I talked about Fetty. That's good news for the Nationals that Scherzer's pitching so great. Yeah, he's he's a bulldog. He's a competitor, so I think we would expect nothing less. Stan, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. That was Stan the Fan Charles. Uh, that was Stan the Fan Charles joining us here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Uh, Stan has two great shows for you every week, and like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with former Orioles pitcher Mike Boddicker, and Stan and Gary met with, U- with new UMBC basketball coach Jim Ferry. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. Coming up Monday night at 6. You won't want to miss it when Stan and Ross, I didn't read fully read the email. I, I will get that for you right now. Give me one second. I, 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 for Stan's I, guest. I read the email and I thought that it was going to be on here and that was my mistake. My apologies for the... So Stan thinks his guest will be Bill Stetka. Bill Stetka. On Monday. Okay. Uh, long time... Um, uh, top guy with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797. That's 410-401-9797. Or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. We're going to get to a break. When we get back, we will have the managing editor for Press Box Sports, Luke Jackson. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce Silver Anniversary New York Strip Steak, the Smoky Thigh Wings, a Double Bacon and Cheddar Burger, the Strip Steak Sandwich, Barbecue Chicken Bowl, and their Silver Anniversary Turtle Cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's Silver Anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, win a 
trip the Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. Appreciate y'all. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be back on. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you. Very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you. Heston Kerstad. Thanks for having me. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He he is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Dickie V, Dick Vitale. Kyle, two diaper dandy. He is Mr. Kyle Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. For more than 40 years, K&S Automotive has been repairing, restoring, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and customer service. Everything from oil changes to major body work. Call K&S now at 410-235-6600 or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S at knsimports.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens 2020 draft class in their second season. Press box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the Battle Round, coming to you from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Uh, guys, we want you to join Great Eights memorabilia for a Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland Draft Party featuring Baltimore running back Gus the Bus Edwards. I'm never going to be comfortable calling Gus Edwards the bus because that was... A, a, a Hall of Fame running back for the Steelers. But I digress. Thursday, April 29th from 7 to 10 p.m. at Looney's Pub, Perry Hall. Again, you can join Great 8 Memorabilia for Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland Draft Party. This is a free event for the whole family that will be filled with raffles, a mini silent auction, and food and drink specials all night long. Pressbox's Project Game Day will be there broadcasting live their annual draft special with Glenn Clark, Ken Zalis, and Jeremy Kahn. A meet and greet ticket with Gus Edwards includes an autograph and photo for only $45, with money going to Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland. Tickets and further info can be found at GreatHMemorabilia.com. That's the number 8 in GreatHMemorabilia.com. And for a limited time, save $8 on your meet and greet ticket by using the code GLEN, all caps, uh, when you purchase your tickets through Mission Ticks and at GreatHMemorabilia.com. Another prominent guy for Press Box is joining us now, the managing editor for the Press Box Sports. We have Luke Jackson on the line. Luke, how are you today? I'm good. Do you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Thank you for joining the program here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Uh, Luke, let's just dive right into this. You wanted to come on and talk about the uh, newest print edition of Press Box. And on the cover, it, it is John Means, and it says Means to an End. And you wrote this 
this significant story that's on page 16 of the Press Box uh, print edition about John Means' journey and how he's a standout as the example of what the cult hopes to build with Chris Holt now taking full um, command of this pitching staff as a pitching coach and minor league pitching coordinator. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this article, what went into it, and uh, what stands out about it. Yeah, well, it, the idea was actually uh, Stan, Stan Charles. Uh, he came up with the idea because we were thinking about what we could possibly do Orioles-related uh, for the April edition, uh, and we were batting around some ideas, uh, and he came up with the idea about John Means and Chris Holt and what, what it all means, uh, no pun intended. Uh, and, and, so I, and, so, and he really assigned me uh, the story, and I you know, dug into it and talked to John, and he, he was great, talked to Chris, and he was great. And this was really the angle that made sense to, to us. Uh, and it, I thought it turned out pretty well uh, and ended up talking to a bunch of people for, for the story. Uh, and, and like I said, I'm pretty pleased uh, with how it turned out. So that was sort of the genesis uh, of the uh, story idea. So I got to give uh, credit to, to Stan for it. But we ended up going, like, starting with the micro, which was, the humble baseball beginnings uh, for Chris Holt and John Means, getting into how Chris Holt uh, and the work that John did uh, away from the team uh, in St. Louis helped d- uh, develop him into a completely different pitcher than he was from 2014 to 2018. Uh, I forget the stat, but I, it was like he started, I think it was like 52 or 54 games in Bowie. I mean, basically established residence in Bowie, and he just couldn't get out of there. And then you know, at that point, he went to another level uh, based on uh, the things that the Orioles helped him with and the things that he did himself. Um, and, the, and basically, at the end of the story, took a more 30,000-foot view of what um, John Means' ascension means uh, for the Orioles and, and, what, uh, and how other pitchers in the organization can replicate uh, what he did. Uh, so that's basically uh, the genesis of the story and how it all unfolded. Well, and it certainly was a uh, it's a long but worthy of being so long story about John Means and about Chris Holt uh, and what they mean for this pitching staff. Now, John Means is certainly looking like an ace. He started this year with a one five two ERA through his first four starts, matching his one five two ERA through his last four starts of last year. Is John Means rounding into an ace not only for this ball club but in the American League? Yeah, it, I, it certainly seems like he, he's capable of that uh, because, I mean, this year that changeup has been awesome. I mean, you saw it against uh, the Red Sox and Rangers in particular, uh, and that, that outing against the Red Sox is aging quite well given how uh, well they've played uh, this year. Uh, but he's throwing like th- three or four different pitches for quality strikes uh, at any point in the count. Um, and I saw uh, like it was like a heat map of – you know his changeup, and he's getting a lot of swings and misses on his changeup that are down the middle of the zone, which means that batters just aren't picking it up. That if they're swinging and missing on his changeup, uh, that that is right down the middle of the plate, they just aren't picking it up, and the, and he must really, really be selling it well. So I, I mean, I, I don't know if, if many pitchers outside of Jacob Degrom have pitched better than than John has, you know, since you know early September of last year. 
Yeah, and Jacob DeGrom, that's a, that's a pretty healthy comparison. That's a guy who's on pace for his third Cy Young in four years, as we were just discussing with Stan. Now, uh, Chris Holt, he takes over as the Orioles' uh, minor league pitching coordinator and their full-time pitching coach at the major league level. Uh, this pitching staff has a 416 ERA. The bullpen ERA is 314. They have seven guys with sub three with sub four ERAs and five guys with sub two ERAs. How much of that can be attributed to not only Chris Holt but also Darren Holmes? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, in turn, because you, you started you know, in 2019 was really rough at the major league level in terms of pitching. They gave up an incredible amount of home runs. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think they smashed the record over three hundred. Um, over three hundred. Uh, last year, they they started to take some steps forward uh, at the major league level. Um, even though John I means got off to a, a rough start uh, last year, he ended up turning that around. Like we were saying, uh, he, he finished the season really strong, um, and and they got some. And I thought the bullpen was last year too, uh, and you got had guys like Paul Fry had career years. Miguel Castro had his be- the best year of his career, and they ended up flipping him for Kevin Smith. Um, and so, and then this year, I, I think the bullpen has been pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, last year, I mean, last night, I thought everyone that came out of the bullpen threw really well. So that was a bright spot in a game where they just couldn't score any runs. But you know, how much of that can be attributed to Chris Holt? I'm not sure what uh, uh, the answer to that. Uh, I'd be curious to hear what you think. I think. I, I, what I think is good is that it's clear that from a pitching perspective, from a pitching development perspective, it seems like everyone in the organization is on the same page with each individual pitcher, how they're going to develop each individual pitcher um, and, and how they're going to maximize each individual pitcher's potential. I think that that's uh, what's clear um, based, on, based on the reporting that I did. Um, and, and so that's good. And now how much of that you know, has, it has to do with the results at the major league level? I don't know. Um, it, it, what's interesting to me is that you know, I think Matt Harvey's pitched pretty well. I know the ERA isn't, um, isn't great, but if you look at his peripherals, um, he's pitched better uh, than his ERA indicates. Um, he's had some tough luck in terms of the defense behind him. Um, and then... Yeah, you know, outside of last night, Jorge Lopez has been pretty good the first time through the order, and it sort of looked like a big league arm that, you know, even if he doesn't stick as a starter, you know, he should be able to stick as a reliever for, at, at, you know, at some point in his career because of his success the first time through an order. Um, and then Bruce Zimmerman uh, has been uh, pretty good as well. So uh, how much of that can be attributed to Chris? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that yet, but what I like I said, I think what's clear is that everyone's on the same page in the organization now, which is good. So, so Luke, when we talk about the, the starter rotation, the pitching for the Orioles, it just got announced. I'm not sure if you've seen this yet, but Wade LeBlanc is the starter for the Orioles today. Um, I'm guessing they're going to kind of do a bullpen game, probably three or four innings right. for LeBlanc, as far as he can go. But what are your thoughts on that, and do you expect Wade LeBlanc to get more of these chances? Um, I, sure. Can he get more, you know, spot starts? Sure. Uh, because I don't think they're ready to bring up Zach Lothry yet or Michael Bauman yet, um, or Alex Wells yet. Right. So as long as that's still the case, um, absolutely. Guys like Adam Pletko could probably get spot starts and Wade LeBlanc can get, um, spot starts. So until they have more of these young arms up here, you're going to have veterans like that get spot starts. So, and I don't know how long Wade can go today. I think I saw that the longest he's gone so far is like 24 pitches. 
So uh, maybe he can go like three innings today, and then you have Pletko behind him because I don't think either of those guys have thrown in like three days, three or four days. So they're probably pretty fresh. So you know, could you could we see Wade you know, some more? I, I think absolutely. Yeah, uh, and I think that today you're going to see LeBlanc, like you said, maybe three, maybe four innings. I think it's more likely two or three innings uh, than Plutko. I think you're also going to see Tyler Wells today because he hasn't pitched. He hasn't pitched since in a long the, time, he hasn't pitched since, since April 11th. Uh, so well, I think I get on mount. Yeah, I think and the guy, the guy to me, I think that his he's been a victim of circumstance. I think he's pitched better than his four seven four ERA would dictate. Uh, but I expect to see him get some work in today. Now looking around the rest of the American League East, Luke, uh, you look at the Yankees. They're tied with the Orioles at eight and eleven, last place in the American League. Uh, in the American League East, Toronto is nine and ten. Uh, they're in third place, just a game a game better than the Orioles and Yankees. These are the two teams in Toronto and New York that were expected to run away with this division uh, and battle really out for the top spot in the American League East. And yet, neither team is performing particularly well. Now, look, the Yankees have won three of four, and their offense hit four home runs last night. Um, but what are you seeing from these teams? I knew. That the that the that the Blue Jays weren't going to pitch well, though their bullpen has been surprisingly decent this year. What are you seeing from these teams that has them under five hundred and in the cellar of the American League East right now? With the Yankees, I just think it's a small sample size. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, they're going to hit. I think they're really going to hit, and they might be a team that's susceptible to some long, some somewhat lengthy valleys because of how, uh, because of their approach, and uh, they go for the long ball. Uh, and so they, you know, and guys like Stanton and Judge are kind of susceptible to slumps, uh, lengthy slumps. So, I, but I think they're going to hit. Um, and I think Torres is going to turn it around. Uh, I think Judge and Stanton are are eventually going to get red hot. Uh, now, as far as the starting pitching for the Yankees, that's probably more of a concern up there than the lineup, just because you know if you watch Kluber, I don't know if he's uh, if he's even 80% of what he was at his peak with Cleveland. Uh, and then Tyon, uh, it's been like two years since, or even three, I, I forget, but it's been a long time since he was asked to take on a full workload during a season, and he's just looked okay. So uh, to me, that's probably, and then Domingo Hermann, he got sent down to the uh, alternate site because he wasn't throwing well. So to me, that's probably more of a concern uh, for the Yankees than their lineup, and I think once they get Zach Britton back, their bullpen's going to be locked down because they're—I mean—they're going to have Chapman, O'Day, Britton back there, and they're going to have a really good bullpen once Britton comes back. Uh, so I think the Yankees will be fine. I think at the trade deadline, assuming they're in it, and I, we have no reason to think that they won't be, uh, they'll probably going to have to go get a starter. Uh, as far as the Blue Jays go, I don't, it's still so weird to see them. Uh, play home games outside of Toronto like they haven't played in Toronto since September 2019 that's tough that's yeah. really tough yeah that to is not tough. Have, to not have a home uh to not have a home park and to not ha- be playing in front of the home kids. but anyway that, I digress um I, they're another team I think is going to hit uh it seems like they're kind of playing around with Vlad uh Guerrero Jr. right now in terms of where they want to play him I think the other day they did play him at third base um uh, for one game uh, but he's been playing mostly first. I think that first is probably where he's going to settle in long term. Uh, but I did see like a Blue Jays blogger on Twitter yesterday mentioning that you know it's in terms of the offense, 
maximizing their offense, their best bet might be playing Vlad at third, Rowdy at first, and then using that DH spot for another hitter. Um, you know, that would probably be pretty rough in field defense, uh, but I thought that was an interesting idea. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like both of those teams, and I think for, for me it's just small sample size uh, with, with both of them in terms of having a sub-500 record. I really like that young core uh, for Toronto, and I really love Chet. I love Bichette. Uh, I would love him on the Orioles. Uh, Absolutely. Sure yeah. Well. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that both of those teams will, will be just fine. Yeah, look, the, the, both those teams are certainly going to hit. Like you said, the Yankees starting pitching, they have a couple of reclamation products and projects in Tyon and Kluber in that rotation. You don't know what either one of them has left in the tank, which is hard to say for a guy like Tyon, who's still so young and still so early on in his, in his career. With the Blue Jays, they're pitching. They're actually pitching better than than I gave them credit for. They they are missing Nate Pearson. They need to get him back to provide that one two punch at the top of the rotation. They're, like you said, they're gonna hit. I just don't know how sustainable their pitching is long term. I just don't trust Outside the of Ryu, arms. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Ryu. Ryu is one of my favorite pitchers to watch uh, in the American League. Yeah, because he. I mean, elite pitchability. Elite pitchability. I. I mean. The way he can use like an 87 to 88 mile an hour fastball to get it in on the hands of right-handed hitters uh, from the left side, it's just beauty. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. Well, yeah, and he was a Cy Young, a leading Cy Young favorite in 2019 um, before he faltered towards the end of the season and Jacob DeGrom just completely took over. So uh, that's a good arm up there in in Hung Jin Ryu for the the Blue Jays. Now, there's some surprising division leaders here uh, 20 ga- oh, nearly 20 games into this major league season for me Boston leading the the AL East isn't a huge surprise because I expected them to be better than than Toronto this year I looked at that that rotation and it's going to continue to get better especially once they get sale back uh, I looked at that bullpen and it's much improved from last year and that that offense can hit with anybody so I'm not really surprised by them but you have Seattle uh, out there leading the mm-hmm. AL West, you have Kansas City leading the Central. You have uh, the Phillies leading the NL East. Even though they were leading the NL East, if you, I don't count the Mets right now simply because they've played significantly less games than everybody else. Right. Um, you, you know what I mean? But I think the Mets are going to be there at the end of the year. And you have Milwaukee in the NL Central. We expected the Dodgers to lead the West. They have the best record in baseball. But it's San Francisco, not San Diego, in second place out there in the NL West. Of all these teams, which is the biggest surprise to you? And furthermore, which of these teams outside of Boston has the most staying power at the top of the divisions? Yeah, I agree with you that I'm not terribly surprised by Boston just because I think that's a pretty well-put-together lineup. Yeah. Uh, and they, they've they got a lot of guys that – they got a lot of guys who can really hit. I know they got a lot of crap for dealing uh, Mookie Betts, but they got some nice pieces back for him. I, I really like Verdugo. I think that he can that he's a line to line hitter, uh, and then Devers and, and Martinez have been outstanding this year. Uh, and then you pair the, uh, them with uh, Bogarts in the middle of the lineup. That's as good as any uh, middle of the lineup in the AL East, right? Uh, so I, I, I'm not terribly surprised uh, by the Reds. I, and the other thing, some really good um, performances out of the rotation that uh, some didn't really expect, like Nick Pavetta, uh, is, has been a guy that's been really good. Uh, and then it looks like Ivaldi has turned into a little more of a pitcher than a thrower um, at this point, which is good for him. And then Eduardo Rodriguez has really bounced back uh, really nicely, which is great for him because he had a scary uh, health condition last year. But anyway, uh, your question was uh, about which 
surprise uh, surprised me the most. Um, maybe Milwaukee. I, I'd be surprised. I'd be uh, curious to hear what what you guys think. I, Corbin Burns has just been outstanding, uh, and they're getting some. And you look at the guys who have performed the best for Milwaukee. It's a lot of guys that casual fans won't. Omar Navarez, uh, the catcher for Milwaukee, has been just outstanding. So I'd be curious to hear uh, what you guys think. To me, it's probably Milwaukee. And the other thing about Milwaukee is that their bigger name guys like Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr. and Christian Yellick haven't been great yet. Uh, I know Christian Yellick's getting on base, but he's not hitting for a ton of power yet. Like, if those big guy, big name guys you know, step up throughout the course of the season and, like, their lesser-known guys continue to play well, I think they've got a chance to have a really fun summer. Obviously, it'll come down to the pitching. I, I did see that you know Josh Hader, an old friend of ours, um, he's like striking out like eighteen guys per nine innings right now. Mm. So I, I, I would probably say Milwaukee. I, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. Yeah, I think uh, Milwaukee is a surprise. They did get drubbed by the uh, by the Cubs yesterday, fifteen to two. But that pitching you mentioned, Corbin Burns, forty strikeouts, no walks, is set a modern major league record. That's he's been phenomenal. And this is one of those teams I never give them any credit. Yet you see them every year, the last three or four years, they're towards the top of that division and they're in the playoffs now. But the the thing I look at is that NL Central is not very strong. You know, we expected the, we expected the Cardinals to kind of run away with the division because they added Nolan Arenado. They have that pedigree um, for winning in that city, uh, and there's just not much else to compete with them. But they've they've kind of faltered. Arenado and Goldschmidt aren't hitting the way they expected them to. Um, so I guess Milwaukee is a bit of a surprise. But to me, the most surprising team is Kansas City, and. That's a good one, yep. Yeah, look, look. everybody said how great their offseason was. and all, all, I thought that they added just enough pieces to win 75 to 80 games. But they're in, in a division of juggernauts when you consider the pitching that Cleveland has and the lineups that Kansas City and what the White Sox boast. On top of that, the White Sox starting rotation and their bullpen. Mm-hmm. It, it's a juggernaut in that in that, uh, in that. American League Central, and I don't expect Kansas City to stay atop that division. I think the White Sox are eventually going to run away with that thing. But right now, they're to me, they're the biggest surprise. I don't think they have staying power, but they're playing damn good baseball right now. Yeah, and, and they haven't even really gotten anything out of Andrew Benatendi yet, who was one of their big offseason additions. And the interesting thing to me was that Benatendi didn't play particularly well uh, for the Red Sox in 19 or 20, if I'm not mistaken. You're thinking maybe a change of scenery helps him, you know, in Kansas City. He just hasn't really put it together yet. You know, if he sort of turns back the clock to what he was in, like, 18, uh, that would be a big deal uh, for the Royals. Um, you know, it seems like Salvi Perez has played really well, and you know, he obviously played really well last year, too, and earned the big contract. Uh, I saw uh, – I was watching MLB Tonight. Um, I think it was, like, two or three nights ago, and Hanser Alberto had a big – uh, triple as part of a uh, rally to uh, win a game for them. Uh, and so even like the minor league signings, like Hanser Alberto have uh, worked out uh, for them as well. So yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. That's, that's a good pick. And Mondesi has been really good for them at, at shortstop as well. They've had Kansas city is very, very good at uh, the international signing game. And they've been that for years. And uh, I, I think that that's been a big part of their success in the past, you know, five, six, seven years. 
Yeah, they, they certainly had a lot of young talent. That's before we even talk about Bobby Witt Jr. coming up to the major league level. A lot of people pining for him during spring training because he hit like 308 uh, in the spring. Not and, then, quite... and, and the other thing about those guys is that they have like uh, Whit Merrifield, who's like the current day Iron Man, who's he's like super reliable. Yeah, he's been fan. I didn't realize until a couple of years ago that Whit Merrifield is—he's already thirty-two years old. I don't feel like he's really? been. Really, yeah. I was just twenty-eight. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I saw that he was thirty in twenty nineteen, and I was like, he's thirty. I thought that he was like twenty-four. How, how recently did he get an extension? Because I feel like it wasn't that long ago, maybe a year ago or so. Um, but he's going to be around there for a little while. I, I follow baseball. I don't follow the Royals closely enough to know <laughs> Whit Merrifield's uh, contract numbers. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, he's he's a good player. He gets on base. He hits the ball all over the field, and and he he steals a lot of bases. That's that's a good ball player. I just didn't realize he was already thirty two. He's kind of like Trey Mancini yeah. in that he he kind of he kind of started late uh, in his twenties. Uh, really kind of peaked late into his 20s, and now he's become a really, really solid ball player in his early 30s. I like Whitmere for a lot. I just feel like his age is going to catch up to him at some point. Now, Luke, before we let you go, I just want to get your thoughts real quick on the Padres-Dodgers series. They've been a lot of fun. Those games have been a ton of fun to watch. Yeah, how about Manny's touch yesterday? Oh, I, was so, I miss him so much. Man, I don't really want to talk about Manny because it makes my heart <laughs> Okay, hurt. I miss him so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the shame of it is that after, I guess after this weekend, they will have already played seven of their 19 games, and I'm not yeah. sure when they play again. And it's like, can those teams play like 36 times in the year? Can I those, know, those right. teams play like 162 times a year? Um, they just match up really well together. And that Dodgers uh, roster is so loaded that, you know, I was looking at it, uh, I guess, it was, yeah, a few days ago. And at that point, Dodgers only had like three losses, and you're looking at their roster, and you're like, "How do they have three losses?" You know what I mean? Uh, and the and the Dodgers are just such a player development machine that you know, at some point like a week ago, I was looking at uh, one of their box scores, and they've got like 33rd round draft picks with OPSs over a thousand and stuff like that. It's it's unbelievable uh, what they're able to do, you know, from a player development perspective, but. And the other thing that makes those games so fun is that there's such a – it seems like a playoff intensity to those games in April. And it seems like it really matters to the players on each side, too. And I love that. And I, and, you know, I know the bench is uh, cleared uh, in San Diego at one point. And I just – you just love that intensity. You love when the players are all in on it like the, like the fans are. You know what I mean? In terms of a rivalry. Uh, baseball needs more of it. Yeah, you know, baseball can absolutely use a few more rivalries like that. But the way and the way it's developed, it, it, it wasn't forced at all. You know, and, and part of it is that you know, the Dodgers are really, really good, and the Dodgers are a player, and the the Padres have had to basically keep up, right, in terms of player acquisition. Uh, they went and got uh, Snell. They went and got Darvish, basically to keep up. You know what yeah. I mean? And I love that. And it remind you know what it reminds you of a little bit of like the Red Sox trying to keep up with the Yankees. You know, yeah, you know, back in the early two thousands. That's what it reminds me of. And it, that's probably the best rivalry in baseball since the Red, Yankees and Red Sox in the early two thousands. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I can't think I of it. a better rivalry. I can't right now. So, they, they, uh, it's it's been awesome. 
Yeah, it's, it's been a ton of fun to watch. It's must-see TV every time they play each other. I mean, each of the first two games were on MLB Network because they have to, pl- they have to play these games. Uh, but look, look, Luke, we ran a little long here, so we got to get going. But thank you so much for joining the program, talking about the print edition and uh, giving us some MLB uh, across the league intel. We certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Take care. And that was our managing editor here at Press Box Sports, Luke Jackson. Uh, in addition to Luke Jackson, we have some other great guys that work for Press Box Sports. Two of them, every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash Press Box Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. You never no, who might pop up on GCR this week. The guys called up with Orioles pitcher Dean Kramer, former UMBC coach Ryan Odom, former Oriole Richard Blyer, and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. We're going to get a quick break when we come back. The payoff pitch around the league and a little bit of Orioles banter. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit DEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, 
and finally roast it. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to the bat around here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio, and it's now time for the payoff pitch around the league. The Orioles outhit the A's 10-7, but could only muster one pathetic run while posting double-digit Ks for the 11th time this season <laughs> as the A's held down Baltimore 3-1. Jake Marisnik doubled, homered, and drove in five to lead the way as the Cubs pounded out 15 runs on 17 hits to defeat Milwaukee 15-2. Xander Bogarts homered and drove in three while also flashing some serious leather. And the Red Sox withstood a three-run Seattle ninth inning to hold on for a 6-5 win over the Mariners. The Yankees homered four times, including two by Giancarlo, dropped the Mike Stanton en route to their third win in four games since their 5-10 start, dropping Cleveland 5-3. Mike Miner struck out nine over five and two-thirds innings, while Andrew Benintendi had two knocks, including his first Royals home run to lead Kansas City over Detroit 6-2. Jacob DeGrom was disgustingly filthy, spinning a complete game two-hitter with 15 Ks and zero walks as the Mets blanked the Nationals 6-0. DeGrom lowered his ERA to .31 on the season and as he eyes his third Cy Young in four years. Marcus Simeon homered and drove in three, and the Toronto bullpen allowed just one base runner in four innings to hold off the Rays 5-3. What? Oh, my. I don't know what this what this says. <laughs> it says, hugs are in Noah. Uh... Uh, I, I don't know. Um, Inoa threw six. I, it's, it's like a, his name is like Hawaskar or something like that. Yeah, it's Huaskar. Yeah. I, guess, I guess my computer or my my tablet <laughs> auto corrected Huaskar to Hugsar. <laughs> Huaskar Inoa threw six solid innings and also contributed the first two hits of his big league career while driving in a run to lead the Braves over the Diamondbacks five to four. Every Angel starter had at least one hit, but the Astros scored three tenth-inning runs after the Angels scored two in the top half to walk off the Halos 5-4 as Mike Trout watched from the bench on a rare day off following an elbow contusion. Jay Happ found the fountain of youth as he tossed seven and one-third one-hit shutout innings to lead the Twins over the Pirates 2 to nothing. Yamin Mercedes continued his breakout season with a 4-for-4 three-RBI performance to raise his average to 429, and the White Sox held off the Rangers 9-7. Just as the Cardinals drew it up, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Yadier Molina drove in all five runs for St. Louis as the Cards handed the Reds their sixth straight loss 5-4. Trevor Story, homered, and former Oriole Michael Givens picked up the win with a scoreless inning in relief as the Rockies beat the Phillies 5-4. 
Mike Yastrzemski's bat continued to heat up with a homer and two RBIs to back Alex Wood's seven-inning one-hit performance as the surprise Giants dropped the Marlins 5-3. And finally, Fernando Tatis Jr. homered twice off Clayton Kershaw 22 years to the day after his father hit two grand slams in one inning in Dodger Stadium. And Hugh Darvish struck out nine in seven strong innings. The Padres won their third straight in the season series 6-1. to one. Now here's Zach with your upcoming Saturday action. All right, 1 p.m. hour. Two teams who have had, you know, pretty surprisingly hot starts. They go head-to-head at the Mariners and the Red Sox. Two rebuilding teams, the Tigers and the Royals, also will go to battle at 1 o'clock. 2 p.m., the Pirates take on the struggling last-place Twins. Uh, the Reds will visit Bush Stadium and take on the Cardinals in St. Louis. A divisional matchup in the Brewers and the Cubs as Freddie Peralta takes the hill against Adbert Alzale. Uh, at 4 p.m., Joe Ross and the Nationals battle the hot Marcus Stroman and his New York Mets. The Angels will visit Minute Maid Park and take on the Houston Astros. At 6 p.m., an AL East matchup between the Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays. A ridiculous ace matchup between Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber in a must-watch game between the Indians and the Yankees. That's going to be a really good one. Nice. 7 p.m., Chris Bassett takes on Wade LeBlanc, riding the insane 12-game winning streak from the Oakland Athletics. The rebuilding Rangers will take on the soft-throwing Dallas Keuchel in Chicago. The fourth-place D-backs take on the fourth-place Atlanta Braves. 8 p.m. hour, Phillies ace Aaron Nola goes to Colorado to battle the Rockies. And the 9 p.m. hour, two more rebuilding teams, Giants and the Marlins, in the beautiful Oracle Park. And finally, more of everyone's favorite series as the Padres will battle the Dodgers. Again, another great ace battle. That's uh, Blake Snell versus Trevor Bauer to end out the night. It's crazy that you say the Giants are rebuilding yet. They're 13-7. and seven, Yeah, they're doing and well. They're, they're, and they're in second place. Evan Longoria is having a resurgence yeah, he, this he, year. He and Buster Posey are having are yeah. off to really great starts out there. Yastrzemski's bats coming on. They, they, they've got some solid players out there in San Francisco. Francisco Gossman's having a nice year. Really, uh, really nice year. This is yeah. the Gossman we all thought was going to be the Oriole Gossman. Doesn't it freaking suck? Yeah, it does. It that really we does. watch Dylan Bundy and uh, and Kevin Gossman go elsewhere and finally realize Jake their, their ace potential. Jake Arrieta, whatever, man. He I mean, he, he was never going to be a good Oriole. Th- that 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 one that one you know, it, it did suck to see that, especially when all you got returned was Scott Feldman. <laughs> but yeah. I, I loved Jake Arrieta. I say whatever, man, because it was, you know, eight years ago. But I do uh, that that did sting. To see, and I knew it was going to happen. I knew right. he was going to the Cubs and dominate. He goes I mean, out he, there, throws two no-hitters, wins a Cy Young, had like a two, two-and-a-half career ERA with the Cubs, and he's having a decent year this year. But I digress. Something I noticed before we get into Orioles banter, and we did tell Eric Arditi that we're running a little long, so we have a little bit of extra time here. Uh, something I noticed, 11 teams in the AL, in the American League, have at least nine losses through 19 or 20 games. Only five teams yeah. are above 500. In the NL, 11 teams have at least nine losses, and only six teams are above 500. Of the 30 teams, 22 have at least nine losses through 19 or 20 games. The Mets have only the Mets and Nationals haven't played enough games yet, but kind of surprising that, that there's not many teams. You have a lot of teams hovering right around 500, either right at just below or just above 500, and only a couple of teams really running away with things, name, namely. The uh, the Dodgers right. and we mentioned the Giants at thirteen and seven and that well, that would be one of the best records in all of baseball in any other. Di- I mean, it still is, but it, that would be good for first place in any other division but the NL West. Right. I mean, I, there are a lot of teams that are, are kind of surprising. I, I look at the White Sox and I just thought the White Sox were going to be a you know 
just they would win. I really thought they would be at this point, you know, like what the Dodgers have done so far. That that first place they take over the the American League and they haven't done that. I mean, they've been fine. You know, Carlos Rodon's pitching well finally, you know, he, he's coming around. Giolito and Keiko are great pitchers. Team is stacked. They just haven't really been great. They have more wins than losses, but it's not like this team has played amazingly well, and then you have teams like the Red Sox, who I know you're really high on. I was not really that high on them, who have surprised everyone. And it's kind of it, except for me. It's yeah, right. <laughs> and it, it seems like it's kind of everything's kind of flip flopped right now. You know, the, the well, bad teams are doing well, and the, the the good teams aren't. It's crazy because I, I the the White Sox are going to get hot. Well, they, they will. They're yeah. going to, and so are the Twins. They'll get the, 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 white hot. They'll, they'll get white hot. The White Sox will get it. white hot. You, you, you had to. Had they're they're going to get hot. Right now, they're ten and nine. Um. It's funny because I was listening to Inside Access, and I, and I love those guys. They've both been on this show. I was listening to Inside Access last week, and they were talking about how they were wrong about Tony LaRusse, and he has his team playing hard, and they're winning games. And they were like, they, they were 6-7 and seven when they were talking about this. And they were like, we have to take a step back, saying that we thought that this was going to be a huge, a, a, a huge negative thing, having Tony LaRusse. They were six and seven. They were acting yeah, like the, they were acting like this team was, you know, like like eleven and two. They were they were six and seven. Right, and they're ten and nine now. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. I, I can't see Larusa. I mean, we, we didn't like the hire when it happened, but it it clearly looks like it hasn't really worked out that well for them. And again, I said before to Stan that I don't personally think the manager has as much impact on the game as most people do. I just don't really see how they can... I mean, the, the players are the players, and they are who they are. I mean, there can be only so much coaching that can change them. So the White Sox, they're they're going to probably overtake the Royals, like you said. I mean, they're a better team. They're, they're so stacked, I and mean, the pitching is unbelievable. When the year ends, the White Sox are going to have 95 wins, right. and they're going to be in first place, and I still right. have them going to the World Series. Sure. In the, in the, even without Eloy Jimenez, who watch, he'll come back in September and give, yeah. them, and, and give them a jump start in that final month of the season uh, to kind of to get them through that division. And, um, and they're going to buy at the deadline and get yeah. even better pieces. So uh, it's maybe, gonna, maybe, maybe, maybe. The mean, White Sox, may, White Sox, not always the team that buys, but, but I but think may, right now I mean, it, it really depends on if they feel like they need to buy. Sure, sure. You know, now look, maybe they have, maybe they look at their bullpen and they say, you know what, we really need a high quality arm, and maybe they come and they ask the Orioles for Tanner Scott. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not but, too. But but if you ask for Tanner Scott and you offer Nick Madrigal. The Orioles don't have a second baseman. Right. Not look, and, and Nick Madrigal. Look, he's a he was a fourth overall pick for a reason. He's a he, he's a great baseball player. He doesn't strike out, but he's movable. He he's he's disposable for a team that has a thumpers up and down the lineup. Yeah, I mean Nick Madrigal is he literally doesn't hit for any power. He's a singles hitter, and he like you said, he doesn't strike out. He's going to have a high average every year. And if you value that, and if the Orioles value that, it could be a piece they could try to get. Yeah, he's a guy that. Why are we talking about the White Sox? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> just kind of. I, I mean, stream of consciousness talking about Nick Madrigal and the Chicago White Sox here. Future no, Oriole Nick uh, Madrigal. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know what? I hope not. If it means the Orioles are going to lose Tanner Scott, I, I value a left-handed power reliever more than I do a, a singles hitting second baseman. But the Orioles don't have one right now. So anyway, Orioles banter. Even though it's now eleven thirty-four. Um, the good and the bad. The good. Orioles bullpen. 314 ERA, fifth yeah. in the American League, sixth in Major League Baseball. I mentioned it several times today. Seven relievers have seven four, have sub four ERAs. Five relievers, Cole Salsu, Travis Lakins, uh, Plutko, Paul Fry, Cesar Valdez, all sub two. Tanner Scott's 257. Valdez is tied for the ALE with four saves, despite Brandon Hyde saying there is no set closer. Five pitchers have been scored upon one or fewer times in that bullpen. 
this season. Tanner Scott's been scored upon twice, but only one of those games did he allow earned runs. Right. Um, that bullpen has been they were they were top ten last year. And I think they're even better this year. And I think that Armstrong, who's been the weak link, I think he's rounding into form. Right, I, I think he is too. And I, I think Armstrong has the talent, so we figured it was going to come at some point. But I saw a stat this morning. The Orioles are third right now in combined war for for a bullpen. Um, and they're behind, I, I believe, two really good teams that you know are, are more expected to have a great bullpen. But we, we kind of saw this coming in. I mean, there's pieces for the Orioles. Paul Fry, Tanner yeah. Scott, um, you know, add a, and then you add in, right, Valdez. You add in Pleco, who Mike Elias looks like a genius all of a sudden for making that trade. Um I mean, it's a solid bullpen. I, there's not too many guys right now that come in and I say, man, he's going to blow the game. I mean, it was Sean Armstrong. I still don't have the utmost confidence in Cole Saucer. I, I think at some point Cole Saucer is going to have a bad outing. But, it's but they good, all do at some point. At, they all do at some point. And then if you add in a guy like Travis Lakins, who, I mean, nobody really expected this out of. He's pitching great. Dylan Tate is having maybe the worst year out of any of the guys so far outside of Armstrong. His so, ERA is 338. Right, and he'll get going, too, and he's going to get better. If so, he's not optioned. If he's not optioned, right. Now, and, and I like that you mentioned Travis Lakins. He came in in that, in that doubleheader against the Mariners, the only yep. game that the Orioles won. Um, he came into that game, or maybe it was maybe it was the game that they lost, the first game of that first doubleheader. Um, but he came in and immediately falls behind the first hitter, 3-0, and next thing you know, he strikes out the side. Yeah, uh, he's he's been very good. I'm waiting for Plutko to fall back down to earth because his ERA is over five for his career. Right. Um. But, but also mo- mainly as a starter, not really the bullpen. Yeah, and and, and that and that's true. The the Indians were doing this thing where you're going to start, you're going to relieve, you're going to start, you're going to relieve. And if the Orioles say, "Hey, you are our long reliever, you're our bridge guy," right. And he has that set role. There's some comfortability in that, in knowing what your role is and knowing that you're going to pitch in the same situations time and time again. So there's something to be said there. Now the bad, uh, we talked. We said we were going to get into this. The offense, six of twelve position players are batting below 200. Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes. These are the two guys we were the most excited about right. that we thought were going to ignite this lineup. They're both batting 174. They're batting 2-8. The team as a whole is batting 2-18th. That's 10th in the American League. They have 47 walks, ranks dead last yeah. in the American League. 17 home runs, ranks second to dead last in the American League. 190 Ks in 19 games, fourth worst in the American League. They have struck out 10 or more times in a game, 11 times this year. That's brutal. That is a brutal number. It, it, I mean... And you thought that maybe things were ch- the tide was changing. They struck out only six times in those four games, six times in each game in those four games against the Mariners. Now those were all seven inning games, um, and then they they had a nice series against the Rangers. But man, the, the, just lack of plate discipline. These guys aren't walking. They aren't getting on base, and they're swinging at too many pitches out of the zone. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of figured that these guys are going to get it going. And I think Trey Mancini, by the way, has found a stroke. I think Trey Mancini is, I don't want to say he's back, but I think he's almost back. He is looking very good at the plate. But then you you look at a guy like Malcastle, you look at a guy like Hayes, and Hayes, obviously, small sample size. He's barely played. I think he has 15, 16 at-bats, maybe a little bit more. Um, but, you know... These guys are, are just, the approach is off. I mean, they're not swinging at strikes. They're not being selective. They're going up there and and just swinging at literally anything that's thrown. And that's just not a recipe for success. And it, it's continued. It's not like the approach has changed. If I'm if I'm Don Long, I'm taking these guys in, you know, to, to the batting cage every day and putting them up against some, some curveballs and putting them up against some fastballs and saying, we got to figure out how to be more selective at the plate or nothing's going to change. No, it's... 
these guys are better than that. I mean, these are major league hitters. Ryan Mountcastle is a guy who has been hitting everywhere he's went. It's just for the first time he's ever failed. Right, it really is. And they'll probably eventually figure it out. Maybe it's after the All-Star break. I don't know. But right now... so long from now. Right. But, I mean, they're going to win a lot... Of, or they're going to lose a lot of games in the first place. So maybe that's how yeah. long it takes. Look, the weather's starting to heat up. It's True. a beautiful day today, although it's supposed to rain this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And this, Of course, because I have a baseball game tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's going to rain all night. Right. Um... But then, like, you're going to see temperatures in the 80s next week, uh, and then in the 70s, and uh, warm weather is coming, and it's going to be here to stay, and I expect the bats to heat up with the weather. We've seen this before, um, but the, the the thing that stands out the most to me, uh, why, don't we, why don't we get Eric on the line while I'm Sounds talking good. about this, the thing that stands out the most to me is Ryan Mountcastle slashing 174, 205, 275. He has just five extra base hits, just one home run. He's won for his last 22. He's hitting some bad luck. The strikeouts are down from where they were the first part of the year. His hard hit percentage is down. His walk rate is down. His K rate is up, though. He's seen more fastballs, more four-seam fastballs than any other pitch this year. And he's hitting 143. 143 against fastballs this year. Ryan, that's, that's, go, that's got to change. It's going to change. And when we get Eric on the line, I'm I'm very interested to see uh, to see what Eric has to say about this. I'm wondering how long Ryan Mountcastle's leash is. I'm wondering how long it is uh, because look, you don't want to send this guy down and, uh, and and shake his confidence, but you can't hit 174. You can't get on base with a 205 clip. You can't hit the middle of the Orioles order and only have five extra base hits this year. Uh, and with that in mind, Eric, you, uh, Eric, how are you today, man? Good, good. How are you guys? We're doing well. We're doing well. I'm, I'm sitting here and talking a little bit about Ryan Mountcastle's struggles. I was t- saying, uh, as Zach was getting you on the line, he's seen more four-seam fastballs than any other pitch this year, and he's hitting just 143 against fastballs. Mm. Uh, his chase rate is about 30, 33.5%, I believe it is. I, I could be a little off on that, but it's in the 30 percentile. Uh, what are you seeing from Ryan Mountcastle? And I'm not—I'm certainly not promoting the idea of sending him down. But how long is his leash? I mean, I—I th- I think his leash is as long as it can get. I—I I, I don't think, like like you said, I don't think they're going to send him down. Um, I think this is a guy where they know that he's going to be in the future plans. Um, they know that he's a baseball player. I mean, we saw it last year and. Seen him on all the prospect lists. We saw him, you know, as one of the favorites for the rookie of the year coming into the year. Um, I, I think he's just pressing. I, I, I don't know if he was reading, you yeah. know, maybe he was rewatching a lot of his highlights and, and reading the press clippings from last year. And I don't think he got full of himself or anything. But I, I, I definitely think he, he may have, you know, been like, okay, you know, I can do this. And then pitchers get a couple games, you know, film. You got film on you. You got a couple games under your belt, and they realize how they can attack you. And and he just seems like a guy who's pressing. Uh, like you said, I think he's swinging a lot at, at a lot of pitches. Um, I mean, he's not drawing many walks at all. And and I'm sure the the you know the plays early in the year in the field didn't really pro- it didn't help his confidence. I don't think. Um, you know, you'd like to see that you could you know put a bad play behind you by by knocking knocking a couple guys in or something like that. He just hasn't done it. Um, I think he will turn it around too. I think he's too good of a baseball player to, to struggle for this long. But um, I mean, I, I think they're going to keep him out there and, and see if he can rebound and hope that he does. And, and you know, we'll move on from there. 
Yeah, I mean, and he's he's run into some bad luck, too. He's hit some balls right on the nose that have been right at guys. He had a ball in his first at-bat last night that looked like it was a home run. It got caught right up against the fence. Uh, so it's it's just one of those things that when the weather heats up, that ball's probably three or four rows deep in, in the left in the left field stand. So I think we all expect the bat to, to play at this level. We saw it in a small sample size last year. So I don't think we have too much to worry about, but it is kind of glaring that this that three weeks into the season now he's still just hitting 174. Another guy uh, is Austin Hayes, who's also just hitting 174. Had a really big spring. Had that injury in the third game uh, of the season after he had that, that run-scoring double. Uh, do you expect his bat to get going, too? Is this somebody who you think is maybe just uh, running into a little bad luck as well? Well, I mean, the book on him has always been... I mean, it's basically... T- go go reread every article that was ever written about Nolan Reimold and copy and paste Austin Hayes' name into it. Because Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's, I, I mean, they have, they have all the talent in the world. We've seen it. We've seen the amazing catches. What was that at the end of the 2019 season? It seemed like every night he was making a home run robbing catch, and he's pounding his chest, and he's diving all over the place. And we're like, this guy is something. And then it's a, a, a soft tissue injury, a tweak. Uh, you know, he, he does something, and he's out for two weeks, you know, three weeks, a month. And it's just like, when when can we when can we see a full? I mean, we haven't really seen a fully healthy Austin Hayes, um, I, and I would love I would love to see his back at going because, like you said, he I mean he was one of the guys coming into last year that I was super excited about, and then when he had the big spring, I was like, okay, this is it, here we go, and then you know we're barely even into the season before he's he's back on the IL. So um, I, I mean, I would love to see him just stay healthy, number one, because I really think he can be a weapon. I mean, we saw it. He, he shot up through the uh, the farm system. I think wasn't he the first player from that draft class to make the yeah, uh, he was major he was. league debut. Like that's not. I mean, that's not a fluke. It's not like they brought him up because they had no one else. They brought him up because he because he's a dang good baseball player. Um, so I, again, I think that track record's there. I would love to see him get healthy, and and it sucks with Santander, you know, being out for for a couple weeks. But but Hayes is going to get that because you know I I know the big talk. For what was it, twenty three minutes? I think we had all the outfielders healthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the big talk was like, how do you fit them all in? Where do they go? How do you, how do you kind of put this puzzle together? And and the puzzle fig- kind of figured itself out. Uh, you know, again, unfortunately with the injury, but Hayes is going to be in that lineup, and he and he's gonna he's gonna get a chance to to show us the bat. So I, I hope that I hope he can get hot. I think he's kind of a guy. I think he's he's the straw that stirs the drink. I think if he's going. The Orioles would kind of pick up and go too, and that offense would go. So, I mean, we, we know about the the approach struggles. I, I, in my opinion, the approach is far off from what it should be. But how would you recommend the Orioles to change their approach? Because it, it's it seems like they're just not being selective. They're not recognizing the right pitch when it's coming in. So, how would you think the Orioles should change their approach right now? I mean, you're talking to a guy who every day when he plays MLB the show says, <laughs> you know, don't swing at this first pitch. <laughs> and I'm hacking away at everything. Me too. So, you know, I have the same problem. They are on video games, so I can't really relate. Um, no, but it is frustrating because we've seen it before, and it's it's just contagious when you get one guy with a bat at bat. Um, I mean, I can, I, I can already remember a couple times where it's like, you know, a four-pitch walk, a five-pitch walk to the first batter, and then the second batter is, is hacking away at a ball in the dirt, and the guy can't. The guy can't find the strike zone, and he's getting bailed out because we're we're flailing his stuff out of the zone and in the dirt. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, 
it, and again, it's not one player, it's not two players. It seems like an organizational thing. Right. And, and I mean, they, you know, the hitting coach has got it. Just, hey, guys, what are we doing? I mean, I don't know if you need to put all the swings on film and just have them played over and over and say, you know, you missed this ball by 18 inches. You missed this ball by 9 inches. Let's keep the bat on your shoulder, you know, watch some pitches and, and, and take, what, take what the pitcher gives you. I mean, it's not not the end of the world if you see a couple pitches but yeah it's it, the approach has been pretty bad for the entire season and, and again it's not just a couple people it seems like it's everyone well yeah this team is 10th in batting average in the american league 12th in runs dead last in walks fourth most in, in strikeouts this offense was supposed to be the saving grace for this team thank god the pitching staff is doing what they've been doing because otherwise you might have three wins uh you know they scored three runs or less in 10 of 19 games a year, that's not a good percentage. That, that, that can't continue. You look at, at a guy like Ryan Mountcastle, a lot of his struggles are because these pitchers know they don't have to throw him strikes to get him out. The mm-hmm. case in point was when he batted in the sixth inning last night with the bases loaded, nobody out, uh, and the Orioles down by three, and he swings at a 2-2 pitch that's over the chalk line of the left-handed batter's box. That pitch is nowhere near the strike. It was never a strike. Nowhere near the strike zone. It was never a strike. And he's chasing at it. These guys don't have to throw the Orioles strikes to get him out. Yeah. And again, I mean, why, why help out these pitchers even more? I mean, you know, the, and the Orioles are going to strike out. Like, they're, they're going to strike out a lot. I think we know that. They're, they're not going to walk. It seems like besides for DJ Stewart um, and Trey, sometimes, you know, I mean, these guys have no interest in walking. And, and, and I, you know, it walks as good as a single in, in most cases. If the bases aren't loaded or whatever. But, I mean, yeah, they they got to get a, they got to find a way to get on. Um, you know, and the injury, it's not really, the injuries aren't really an excuse. Um, you know, since Stewart's come back, I, I kind of thought, again, maybe he could be a guy that gets the offense going. But it just, they, they can't seem to get, you know, at one point Freddie Galvis was terrible and now he's, you know, up until the other night, I mean, he's hitting the cover off the ball, and he and he's you know second on the team in batting average. It's not saying much, but he's rebounded. But it's like no, you you're not getting guys hot at the same time. I mean, you know, you got Trey being cold, you got you got you know the catchers being cold, and that's a whole other story. But uh, you, you just can't. They can't seem to get a couple guys heating up at the same time. And I, again, like I said with Mountcastle, I think these guys are too good to 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 be this bad right now, and they're going to come around. It's just frustrating when it seems like eight out of the nine guys in the lineup are freezing cold and again they're not looking to get on base you're swinging at balls like you said in the other batter's box and that's not helping you and and i mean that's again that's contagious and it seems like these guys mountcastle does it and then you know you look up and franco's doing it and you look up and severino's doing it and it's just it's bad at bats all around and and i i like you mentioned i thought the offense was going to be the saving grace here and the pitchers were going to be the rough spot and, and, you know, the pitchers have kind of held their own right now. And the, the offense is just, like you mentioned, I mean, they can't get anyone across. So I talked about it earlier this show, but Rio Ruiz, Ramon Urias, I mean, neither of those guys really provided the Orioles much offensive value so far. And, I mean, I, I think that's kind of goes along with the lineup struggles. I mean, you, you've got kind of a dead hole in the lineup when, you know, a guy like Rio Ruiz or Ramon Urias comes to the plate. So how would you – say the Orioles could fix their second base problem. Is it Jemai Jones? Personally, I, I would like to see Jemai Jones up here, but do you, you want to see Richie Martin? Do you want to see Pat Vileka? Is there any guy you think could replace either of those guys? I mean, you know, you went out and you got Jones for a reason. I mean, he, he was he was pretty highly thought of in the Angels system. Um, again, the Orioles traded a, 
a major league arm for him. And and why not see unless unless they want to get him a couple more games down there? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I I don't think there's really a downside to bringing him up and seeing what he's got. I know he's been raking this last week. Um, why why not bring him up? I mean, he and again, it's not like he's just a second baseman. You can move him all around. He's he's, he's basically a better hitting Steve, you know Stevie Wilkerson. I mean, he, he can play a bunch of different positions. He's super athletic. Um, you know, I kind of even got a look at him two years ago when I was covering and working with his brother in the Arena Football uh, League. I was doing, you know, research on Malachi Jones, who's Jemai's brother, and found out, I mean, this, that whole family, just, they're athletic freaks. They're unbelievable. And, and then, you know, when I found out that Jones was coming back in the trade, I was super excited. And, I mean, what do they have to lose by bringing him up and, Seeing what he can do, because again, it's not going to be much worse than, than Rio or you know Ramon or you know if they bring up Valleca or Ryland Bannon, you know down the line, and you know it's, and it's same kind of the same thing with Richie Martin. If he's healthy, hey, bring him up. I mean, they they kept him on you know for Rule Five for a reason. Let's see what we got in him now. Yeah, I think that with those guys, with Richie Martin and with uh, and with Jemai Jones, they want to get these guys some games at the AAA level. I think that right now, in their minds, it's too early. They want to, they want that minor league season to get started and let these guys continue to stay hot through the beginning of the season, and maybe we'll see them. But I do think that it's coming to a head now, with especially with Rio Ruiz. I can't see him lasting on this roster much longer if he's going to keep hitting 160. And his defense has been good, not great at second base. Same thing with Ramon Urias. Uh, I just, at some point, even on a bad team that's rebuilding, you have to have guys that can play. And right now, they, these guys aren't proving that they can play. Now, somebody who's starting to prove that he can play and he's kind of getting back to who we know he is is Trey Manson. He got off to an awful start, Eric, but three multi-hit games in his last five games. He's 7 for 18 over that span. You and Trey are pretty close. Uh, what kind of pressure was Trey feeling? Have you had an opportunity to speak with him at all this season? Uh, was he carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders coming into this season? Um, I, last time I talked to him was before opening day and I, I kind of left him alone. You know, I don't like to, to badger and, and, you know, the poke the people during the season. Um, but I mean, I, I could only imagine the, the amount of pressure. Cause again, it was like, it, not, not, I don't want to, it's not negative, but it was almost like a circus following him around where in spring training, you know, he knew he was going to be the story going into every game and he knew he was going to get a standing ovation and he knew that the cameras were on him and then. He knew when he hit his first year run, you know, he'd be big news. And then he knew making a trip up to Fenway and getting his name in the lineup was going to be big. And it was all over ESPN and MLB Network and all that. So it's like, I'm sure, I mean, he's answering the same questions over and over. You know, what's it like to be back? What do you think the crowd is going to be like at Camden? And so that's why I was kind of happy. Like, all right, it's all out of the way now. And, yeah, I mean, he, we could all tell. I mean, it, it, he wasn't fooling anyone. He was frustrated up there. And I think there were fans who were frustrated. He's hitting into a lot of double plays, a ton of double plays. Um, and and like like I I've said a couple times, like he's too good to to slump for that long. And and he, I I, I think he had an at bat the other night. I think it was maybe last week. Or I think he started out o two, and he ended up almost going on three straight pitches in the dirt. And he eventually drew a walk. And it's like that's an at bat that you look back on and you say, you know. Two, last week he was swinging through at that one that slider in the dirt, and he's walking back to the to the dugout. And you're, it's a bad day to be a bat rack, uh, you know, near Trey Mancini after he strikes out. I'm sure, but I remember that walk being like maybe that's the the at bat that gets him going. And like you mentioned, he's he's kind of gone back to to 
the guy that we know, and he's hitting the cover off the ball in the multi-hit games. And and I, I mean, there's going to be a seat, there's going to be a month where he hits 350 and eight home runs, and we're going to be like, there he is, you know, there's yeah. boom, boom, he's back, baby. So I, I you know, the more the pressure is off him now because it's not a national story with him coming back. I think he's just going to, I think the bat's going to return and, and we're going to see the 2019 Trey Mancini. Yeah, I, I, I think we all agree with you. We know who Trey Mancini is. He's a professional hitter and he's, he's mm-hmm. going to bounce back. He already has started to bounce back. Uh, batting average has raised over 60 points in the last in the last week. Um, and you mentioned that he's grounded to a lot of double plays. He still leads the majors having grounded into five double plays. But that number's been at five since that first doubleheader against the Mariners. So that's kind of calmed down a little bit there for them, too. Now, the Orioles' bullpen has been we, – we mentioned how we expected it to be flip-flop. The, the offense would be the saving grace and the pitching would be the letdown. Orioles' bullpen sixth best in the majors with a three fourteen ERA. They have a ton of relievers pitching well. There's not really anybody – outside of Armstrong that you don't trust. And even Armstrong has three scoreless appearances in his last four outings. How impressed have you been with this Orioles bullpen, and how good can they be? I, I mean, I've been super impressed. And I know I, I kind of ruffled some feathers. Uh, forget what game it was. And, and I tweeted that I'm, I'm not a Valdez guy. And ever since then, I have gone back on my word. Um, I'm willing to accept all the punishment because, now, I mean, I, and I don't know what it was. I think it was just a bad night for me. And I think he started out a batter like two hours, and I'm like, this guy stinks. I'm done with him. And people were like, oh, this is a terrible take. This is bad and all that. But, I mean, he's been so fun to watch. And with everyone else in the bullpen, too. I mean, you know, his ERA is under one. Paul Fry, after, I mean, I was legitimately worried. And I know stats don't mean anything in spring training, but he was bad in spring. He was, I, I didn't, there, I, there was a point where I didn't think he'd make the team. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he was really bad. He's turned it around. Tanner Scott still is kind of, I mean, you know, his whip is, is, is kind of up there, but I've been excited with what I've seen out of him, and he looks just getting stronger and stronger. I mean, Adam Pluko, I don't know where his statue is going to go, if it's going to go, like, <laughs> next to Palmer's or if they're going to put it next to Eddie Murray's, but I've loved what I've seen out of him. Um, you know, Sulphur, Lakin, Tate, I mean, these guys, like, like you said, I didn't really know what to think of them coming in. Pretty much everyone in the bullpen was just kind of a guy coming into the season. You didn't know what you were going to get. You've seen good, you've seen bad, and you're kind of like, I don't. He's, he's a guy. He's not bad. He's not great. I just don't know what he is really. And yeah, I mean, he, you know, Armstrong had that that rough, rough beginning to the season where he, that was another guy that I was kind of worried. Of, you know, is he going to last? Is he? I didn't think he was going to last that trip up in New York. I mean, he had the rough one against Giancarlo and. He couldn't, he couldn't, you know, hit water if he fell out of a boat. But like you said, he's kind of righted the ship. Um, and it's weird because, like I was saying, I mean, these guys are just not no ones, but they're not big names, and they're holding it down in the bullpen. It's just, you know, the, the, the offense can't pick them up, and, and, and so they kind of get overshadowed. But I, I've been pleasantly surprised by what I've seen coming out of the bullpen. Eric, what are your thoughts on Wade LeBlanc making the start for the Orioles today? I saw you, I saw you tweeted about it. It doesn't seem like you're too happy. It was kind of just, you know, like, like I mentioned, all the guys in the bullpen are just guys. I think Wade LeBlanc is just a guy. I mean, he's, we again, we right. know, I think we know what we have in him, and it's like, uh, okay, I guess we'll send him out. I didn't, I don't feel great about it because I have my, you know, my series bet with Dallas Braden on this, so <laughs> I don't really like that it's, 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 you know, on the shoulders of Wade LeBlanc, but I guess we'll see, and who knows? I mean, he's what's the only pitch in like five games this year, only five innings. So, um, 
Yeah, about about a five four ERA so far, so not great. Yeah, and it, you know, again, tiny sample size, but I, I guess we'll see what what we got um, out of Wade, and and let's hope that the bullpen can again continue to put up some zeros. Yeah, for me, like, look, I get it. You're you're the Orioles. You're rebuilding, but the A's have won twelve games in a row. You want them to put their best effort out there to try and get right. a win in this series. If they're looking a sweep right in the face, starting Wade LeBlanc. Well, it, it feels like the Orioles should be past pitchers like Wade LeBlanc at this point. I, mean, I feel like it, they should. It, it's a rebuild, but it feels like they should be past that. Yeah. What What, what are your thoughts on that, that, Eric? Because I just feel like like you're not really putting a competitive effort out there, going starting Wade LeBlanc against the hottest team in baseball right now. Yeah. I, I mean, you guys saying that the they should be past those guys. I think that's that's pretty spot on, and and maybe they're not just because Paul, like you said, mentioned earlier, the AAA season hasn't started yet, and you know the minors haven't started. Maybe I'm sure they have the guys down there, you know, Lowther, Bauman, those guys who probably we'll probably see this year. They just their their arms aren't there yet. So maybe if this series is three weeks from now, you know, Wade may not even be on the team. He may not he may not have a spot here. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of feeling. I'm with you guys. Same thing. Like, I'm like last year. I'm kind of over the Tommy Malones and the 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 Wade LeBlancs and and those guys who I know they always say you know like, you got to throw a competitive pitch. You know, and in that bat, it's like you kind of got to throw a competitive pitcher. And Wade LeBlanc doesn't jump out. Like I don't think anyone in the A's when they read on Twitter this morning Wade LeBlanc starting is going oh crap. Uh, right. Yeah. W- w- hold on, I got to go watch some more film. You know, it's probably like. Okay, Wade LeBlanc, let's go. Let's bring it on. So I'm with you guys. I feel like they, they should kind of be over that these guys pitching hump. I'd feel better about Tyler Wells, who I think is going to pitch a couple of innings today because we haven't seen him in you know two weeks. But uh, yeah, I, I Wade LeBlanc, man, I wasn't even thrilled to have him in spring training, and now he's starting against the hottest team in baseball. But again, I digress. Uh, before we move on to Take the Rake, which is everybody's favorite segment, I want to talk about this real quick with you, Eric. There is this baseball card boom going on right now, and you're right in the center of it. How did you get into this, and what do you? how do you know what cards are valuable and which ones aren't? So I kind of got in. I, I mean, I got into it super late compared to, to everyone else. So obviously, when quarantine was going on last year, you know, people didn't have anything to do. People found new hobbies. People got into their old hobbies. And and baseball cards, I mean, were readily available. You could purchase them online, and you can get, you know, boxes, packs. You can buy whatever you want online. So people started doing that. Um, I kind of got into – I'm big on Twitch. I, I, I watch, you know, I'm on Twitch every day watching people either play the show Call of Duty, any video games, anything like that, I, I love it. And I don't know why. I think it's very therapeutic. Um, but I got into that, and I was watching. I stumbled upon people opening baseball cards, and I'm like, oh, this is this is cool, you know? Like, they've got their big pack, the boxes, and they're ripping open the packs, and they're showing you the cards. So I was like, okay, you know, if I'm ever out and I see any, um, I'll, I'll pick up a box or two or whatever. And, you know, my next time at Target, I see some boxes, so I pick them up, and I'm opening them, and I posted a picture and I, you know, got a couple texts from some friends who were like, "Oh, I'm diving back into cards too. Like, you know, we should we should do something together with them." And that that's kind of how I got hooked up with Dallas and us doing those those uh, card openings. I mean, I it's just it's great. I'm sure you guys remember opening, you know, whether it was Pokemon cards or 
baseball cards, football cards, anything when you were younger. It's just, it's you get a rush when you're like, what? I don't know what this next card could be. Oh my god, I pulled the Ryan Mountain, I pulled Malik Bomb, you know, I pulled these guys. Um, so it, it's just fun. I think it's almost like gambling too, where you're playing the lottery and you don't know. You know, this box has a guaranteed hit in it. You just don't know where it is and what it's going to be. Um, and so I, I just I found a lot of enjoyment in that. And, and the card community is great. It's a bunch of different people getting involved in it. Um, I mean, what, what you're ultimately you're looking for autographs, you're looking for patches, you know, games, jerseys, and bats, stuff like that. But if you, I mean, if you can load up on rookies, like I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in my own castle because I loaded up on his rookie cards. I'm hoping that he was winning rookie of the year, and I could flip some of those He's for you know good. some cash uh, later on. But it's it's doesn't look like it's happening now. But um, I mean, it's it's a ton of fun to get into, and I'm just I'm I'm thrilled that that baseball cards are coming back. Like I said. There's nothing like opening up one of those packs of cards and, and not knowing what you're going to get. It's crazy, man, because I have a binder filled with dozens of Hall of Fame cards, like uh, dozens of, of players from the 90s who are now in the Hall of Fame, and they aren't worth diddly. They aren't worth <laughs> anything, man. I have a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card that's worth like 7 bucks, and I have an Alex Rodriguez rookie card that's worth like 3 bucks. so you can flip-flop those numbers. I can't remember, but it's like... I have all these cards. None of them are worth anything, and you guys are opening two 2021 Ryan Mountcastles, and they're worth like two hundred and fifty dollars. I just don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing because like same thing. I'll have a buddy who he'll pull like a my buddy bought like a nineteen ninety one box of cards, and he's like, I pulled this Hank Aaron, you know, it's like a re- it's a refractor, so it's like it's almost like a holographic one, right? And he's like, am I am I rich? And I looked it up. I was like, I mean, that's a three dollar card. He's like, yeah, but it's Hank Aaron. That's just that's just not how the cards work. It's it's crazy because it's all about rookies. And I I thought like pulling a pitcher in in the NFL, it's quarterbacks. If you don't pull a quarterback, you're, that card's not worth much money. Right. Like I pulled a I pulled a Chase uh, Chase Young uh, rookie patch like uniform patch card, and I was like, well, there we go. My daughter's going to college off this card. <laughs> and I looked it up, and it was worth like twenty bucks. And I was like, this is Chase Young, like, what are you doing? And then that's when I realized if you're not if your name isn't Tua, Joe Burrow, or Justin Herbert, that card ain't worth much. Um, and pitchers are kind of the same way. It's all about hitters. Like the rookie pitchers are not worth anything. I'm pulling Brady Singers and I'm pulling um, you know, screwballs up and Casey Mises and all that, and they're they're not worth anything. And it's it's weird because if if it's a rookie batter, you're you're gonna get you're gonna get some some decent coin for it, but yeah, it is weird too. And then you have like an Alex Rodriguez or Ken Griffey, Sammy Sosa, and they're not worth anything. So it's and it's all about condition. You got to keep them nice, and they, you know, a lot because like like you guys, I'm sure. I, I mean, I my kept my cardboard boxes in my parents' basement that I'm sure have flooded four times since since I've opened that box. So who knows what those cards look like now? But it's it's just crazy how big the uh, the card game's got. Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But you know, <laughs> not a lot of things these days with Bitcoin and dog coin and all that. Not, not yeah, a lot I, of this stuff makes sense. To I, me, I so. was going to say I'm the wrong guy for that because I have no yeah, idea. I, about I, any of that. I was playing in a golf tournament last week with some guys I play baseball with, and they were talking about dog coin and Bitcoin, and they were talking about all this money and all that. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like I knew what, <laughs> like I'd heard of it, but I had no clue. And they were like talking about like they were trading on the stock market it was insane anyway we got to get to our final segment here eric and i'm glad to have you on the program uh today so that you can do take to rake with us it's our favorite segment it's our it's our guest favorite segment um so i'm glad to have you here to make a pick last week zach took cedric mullins i took ryan mountcastle i'll tell you right i did not win i did (laughs) not win ryan mountcastle's won for his last 22 
uh, Zach, Zach didn't win either. I feel like I did though. No, no, you he, didn't. He had he had more hits, more doubles, more RBIs, more walks. Here's the thing, you didn't win because the segment is called Take to Rake. Well, it, did it, either one of these guys rake? I mean, no. But they look, both hit, but they, look, they both hit below 200. In Ryan Mountcastle's case, he hit below 100. You didn't win. And there's good, the, I, I'm sorry. I mean, yes. Cedric I, I feel like went, we're just bending the rules here a little no, bit, but no, no, okay. No, 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 no. All right, I, I see how it is. No, nobody won. Nobody won. Steve Molesky didn't make a pick yeah. um, last week, and that's okay. We weren't going to bother him with it. He seemed like he had more important things to do. Um, but, no, Zach, Cedric Mullins went three for 19. That is yeah, not I mean, that, That's not no, Nothing Nothing special, but, yeah, I mean, he no. did out-hit Ryan Malcastle, to be fair. To be yeah, fair. Well, yeah, but th- th- two of those hits came last night in a mm-hmm. loss. Yep. Um, look, you have to rake. You have to. You have to hit better than two hundred. Okay. I mean, yeah. Right. And, and you have to drive in more than one run and have more than one extra base hit while batting more than if if, if you're gonna bat three for nine, like Trey Mancini, for example, he could have he could have won last week because he went three for twenty four, but those three hits. We're all home runs, and he drove in seven runs. That's a legitimate argument. If you're going to have three hits and bat below 200, those three hits were homers, and you drove in seven. Cedric Mullins, three for 19 with a double, an RBI, and one walk. That's not raking. Nobody won last week. With that in mind, Eric, the rules are simple. You pick one player that you think is going to have the best week of all the Orioles batters uh, from this Saturday to next Saturday. So basically Saturday through Friday. Uh, this player has to perform better than all the Orioles hitters. And the only rule is that you can't pick the same player two weeks in a row. So if you were to pick, say, Ryan Mountcastle this time, the next time we have you on the show, you can't pick Ryan Mountcastle again. You follow? Yeah, I mean, that, that I was going to say, I mean, I'm, if I'm ready to make my pick, and I was going to dip my toe into the Mountcastle water. I, I got faith in him turning it around. Um and I, I, yeah, I think I think he's got a big week uh, ahead of. Him. Okay, so Eric, who's picking first? He picks Ryan Mountcastle. Well, that's that is a solid pick, I think, because he 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 flew out to the wall last night. He had that sharp single in the center field. It looks like he might start to turn it on. The weather's starting to warm up a little bit. I think some of those long fly balls could turn into home runs or, or maybe doubles off the fence now. So Ryan Mountcastle, really solid pick for Eric Arditi. Zach, you did win last week. So you get the pick second. I, I think you might have won last week, but I'll take it anyway. Um, I'll go with Trey Mancini. You know, he's getting hot right now. Um, I feel like Trey's the guy. I, I have to take him. You're right. I did win last week, so I'm going to exclude that pick, and I'm taking No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did win last week, but just because you have the gripe that Cedric Mullins, who did not rake, should have won. Uh, did, I'll, didn't, I'll, didn't rake. I'll, I'll let you pick second. So for me, I'm going to take Austin Hayes. Yeah, that's a good one. Austin Hayes, I feel like this is a guy who I think that he's sitting there and he's like, this is unacceptable. And I think that he's going to start putting the barrel on the ball and start driving driving some balls into some gaps here. So Eric Arditi picks Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, Zach Goodman picks Trey Mancini. And Paul Valley picking uh, Austin Hayes. I think we picked the three best players on the team. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, Eric, anything you want to leave us with before we let you go today? Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I don't know if you guys have gone out, gotten out to the games, I was going to say, I'm hoping to get out to a game soon. Um, 
you know, I think I think we're all overdue for a nice Orioles meetup at a game or something like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe going tomorrow, but I think more so I want to try and go on Wednesday because it's going to be in the mid eighties on Wednesday, perfect night for baseball, and I got nothing else going on, so I think I might try and do that Wednesday. Yeah, that that's like I mean that's perfect. You hit you hit you know your local establishments before. You, uh, you you get your beers there, and then you walk in, you get your hot dogs, and you're good to go. So, yeah, that, that sounds like perfect baseball weather there, too. Absolutely. Eric, we'll have to catch up sometime down at Canyon Yards. You have a great weekend, all right, man? Thanks. You guys, too. All right, man. Take care. That was Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports, gracious enough to join our program. Always nice to talk to Eric, and we always run super long when we talk to Eric because there's just yeah, he's so, just got so much to say. He, he's got he knows his he, stuff. He's got, he's just a great guy to talk yeah. to. So it's cool. Like I don't mind running along with a guy like that. So that's that's always cool. Now remember. Just like we're talking about heading to a baseball game sometime soon, if you're headed to a baseball game this season, you're going to need to wear a mask. So why not wear masks to celebrate our hometown and the teams and athletes we love? Press Box is offering three different types of home team masks, including a purple and orange, Maryland flag pattern 20-inch neck gaiter, plus a Celebrate 8 purple neck gaiter, honoring the former MVP quarterback, and an over-the-ear two-ply Maryland flag mask featuring a faded version of the iconic state flag. These are decorative masks. They are not CDC approved, but they are perfect for hanging out and watching games while being respectful of those around you. Get your masks right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash masks. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash masks. Hey everybody, this is Chris Ruling with Great Eights Memorabilia. I want to invite you out to Looney's Pub, Perry Hall, on Thursday, April 29th from 7 until 10 p.m. as we raise money for Meals on Wheels of Central Maryland. The NFL Draft Party is going to be hosted by Baltimore running back Justin Bus Edwards, and this is a free, family-friendly event good for everyone to come to. Meet and greet tickets are on sale at missionticks.com or Great Eights Memorabilia. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over, so we need to continue to be vigilant, do the right things, including wearing our masks, and if we're going to wear them, why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players? Home team masks, available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. We got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you, as well as the Celebrate 8 MVP neck gaiter, and an over-the-ear faded to Stress state flag and traditional colors mask. They're available. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. Let's get this over with. Wear our masks. Home team masks. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt is taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on Nick Markakis's career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2020 draft class in their second season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover of Luke Jackson Profiles, who we just had on our show. Top Orioles pitcher John Means and the role new pitching coach Chris Holt has taken with Means and the entire organization. Inside, Matt Kremnitzer reflects on the Nick Markakis' career, and Bo Smolka looks at what to expect from the Ravens' 2021 draft class, or 2020 draft class in their regular season, in their second season, excuse me. Uh, Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Really hitting your stride, man. Really hitting. Nice, hope so. Hope nice, so. Nice segues. You're doing a great job producing the show. I'm proud of you, man. You're Appreciate doing, it. Thank you're, you. You're doing a great job. And I don't mean that to sound condescending. I think you're doing a great job. No, it's a good I, show today. I certainly appreciate you. Um, now, look, I do feel bad because we did something that we've never done with Take the Rake, and that's where we called No Winners. Uh, because I just I, I couldn't bring myself to allow a winner on a three for nineteen performance, but so you don't. Get, I am I'm not going to hold it against you. Do you, not worry. You, you you don't get the win, but you did get to pick before me. True, true. Because uh, and it was only fair that we let Eric pick since we both had such bad weeks with our picks. Right. right that we let that right. we let Eric pick first. Um. So there, it's going to be like hockey. You, you'll have wins, you'll have losses, and you'll have ties. And just like if next week Austin Hayes and Trey Mancini both hit over 400 with three homers and drive in 8-10, to 10, neither one of us win that. You know, which, which I see coming, by the way, because those two guys, I, I think, are right on the brink of breaking out. Austin Hayes hit the ball hard. You know, first, first at-bat last night, drove it to the warning track. Trey Mancini's been killing it. Those two guys are right on the brink of, of getting, you know, breaking out, really. They are. Yeah, I think all three of our picks are going to have big weeks. And, yeah. uh, and again, I, I've, I know I've said it a few times, I look at the weather warming up, and I think that you're going to see a lot of these long fly balls find their way into the stands. The Orioles only have 17 home runs right now, 14th in the American League. The, the, the power is going to come. 
The power right. is absolutely going to come. Just want to remind you guys that we are broadcasting in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio, just in case I haven't mentioned it enough to you. Uh, get our sponsorship some uh, some coverage here. Um, you know, we don't talk Ravens unless it's Ravens season, but the Ravens made a big trade yesterday. They did. They, they, did. Uh, they traded or their starting right tackle and moved the left tackle with the gruesome leg injury to or ankle injury to Ronnie Stanley. Traded Orlando Brown to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they got a first-round pick, the 31st pick overall, so now they pick 27th and 31st. Uh, they got the 58th overall pick, I want to say. Yeah, so the 58th overall pick was traded to the Kansas City okay. Chiefs. That was the Ravens' second. Um, okay, so but, but they got a third-round pick. They got a third and a fourth from Kansas City right. as well. Right, and then they got a they, Kansas City also got a future pick from the Ravens in 2022, and the Ravens right. got one from Kansas City in 2022. So uh, how did you feel about the trade? I mean, look, I, I wanted Orlando Brown to be traded because I don't want a guy here who doesn't want to play here. I don't want a guy who's going to be upset all year. He brings down the locker room. I, I just didn't really want that presence there. So I, I wanted Orlando Brown to be moved. Moving him to Kansas City is a, a interesting move. I mean, you know, that, that's the, basically the team that's standing in the way of the, you know, winning the AFC if you're the Ravens. So that kind of concerns me. You just filled one of their biggest holes. They let, you know, they let go of uh, their two tackles and they basically had a, you know, a really big hole left tackle the Chiefs did. The Ravens just filled it. Now, I think a lot of this trade is going to matter, you know, the details of this are really not known yet because we don't know who Eric DaCosta is going to select the 27-31, and that's kind of the important part. I mean, wh- who Eric DaCosta picks and how they develop might define Eric DaCosta's legacy in Baltimore. It really might, because if he picks two stars, I mean, you look at a guy like Rashad Bateman or Trayvon Morig, I mean, there's so many good options for the Ravens at the back end of that first round. So I love having a second first-round pick. I don't love trading him to Kansas City. Uh, you know, it just fills a hole they, they had. Well... I don't look at uh, at Orlando Brown as being the difference in in this rivalry, so to speak, with Kansas City. Look, the, it's not a rivalry until the Ravens win a game. I mean, yeah, they haven't. And they haven't. They're what zero and four, zero and five against Kansas City, and yeah. I think zero and four in Lamar Jackson's um, tenure with the ball club. So it's it's whatever. I would have liked them to have gotten better than the thirty first overall pick. But beggars can't be choosers. I agree with you. I don't want somebody here who doesn't want to play here. There's something right. to be said for, um, you know, his father played here, and there's that legacy, and you want to see him do his entire career here. But, look, you're not going to pay a right tackle, left tackle money and hamper the rest of your organization. Right. You're not going to move him to left tackle when Ronnie Stanley's one of the top two or three left tackles in the league when he's healthy. And, look, he was... He was gonna, he was going to walk in free agency anyway. Yeah, you, I mean that's you don't want to lose him for at. nothing. Right. You, you don't right. want to lose him. All you get is a third or fourth round compensation right. pick by, by him walking. And the other thing is, look, he was okay, right? But he was what the twenty fourth ranked tackle. Yeah, he had a really bad combine to kind of hurt his stock. But but um, but but I mean, last year in oh, the NFL, yeah, last year he, he was, was ranked like twenty fourth to twenty fifth. He he was he was consistently losing in the pass and run block ratings. Um, yeah, he, he was not as good a left tackle as he was a right tackle. And and the other thing about it is, look, the Ravens they fell apart in the playoffs each of the last two years because yeah. they got terrible offensive line play. So look, you have. Um, what what what's his name? You have uh you have Ronnie Stanley. You have you you probably maybe you draft a center. You need you need right. A I mean you could move Bozeman to center, but then you need a left guard. So they're, right. They're, but then you bring in Zeitler, right? Who's, right who's, guard. Who's, who's who's a great right guard? And then do you draft a tackle? Do you do you sign Villanueva from the Steelers? And right. Have him play. He was only ranked a few spots behind Orlando Brown. So I, that's the thing. I you know he's coming on a one year deal. Of course, if they do get Villanueva, but I don't see Villanueva as a massive downgrade. He's still a pretty solid tackle. I mean, he's a guy who's been around for a while he knows the AFC North very well 
that would be fine with me. I, I would be very pleased if they did that. I don't right. want I don't want to see Tyree Phillips there again. That I, I, was I don't either. That was and a train wreck. I, I'd like to see they, they signed Colon Castillo yep. to a futures deal, so maybe he'll get a run at center. Bozeman, I mean, yeah, Bozeman could play center. Right. Maybe. Um, look, the, the Ravens have options, and they're going to draft an offensive lineman in this draft. Right. Whether it's in the first round or the fourth round, they're going to dra- draft an offensive lineman, and maybe they like a wide receiver at twenty-seven, and then they take a tackle or a guard right. at. 31. Maybe they trade those two picks and move up into the top 10 in the draft. I, you right, never know. You, you have a ton of flexibility now, and I think that's why the Ravens did it. I mean, now they have two first-round picks. They need wide receiver. They need O-line. They need edge rush. You really need edge rush. I, I, I really should put the emphasis on edge rush because they really need that more than anything. You've got Pernell McPhee there. You've got Jalen Ferguson there, but you really don't have any impact players there with using with losing uh, Yannick and Judon in free agency. So, you know, I, I think you got to go out and you got to take a pass rusher or a wide receiver slash O lineman that first round. You can really stock up. Well, they did re-sign Bowser. They, oh yeah, Ty, uh, Ty's they, Bowser. They, of course. they re-signed Tyus Bowser, and all indications are that they're going to sign Justin Houston after the draft. Right. Uh, he, he, that he, May third date, they have to they have to let pass. He came in and he. Uh, he had a visit with the Ravens and immediately canceled his visit with the Houston Texans. Now, yeah. that could just be because Houston's Houston, and they have all this turmoil going on there. Right. But you you have to think that if he canceled his next meeting, that he's probably going to sign with the Ravens right. after that May 3rd deadline. Um, but Tyus Bowser, even he's a, he's a good piece, but he's more effective against the run and not really a pass rusher. I think he has like seven or eight career sacks. He doesn't have a lot. So they, I think they kind of signed him as a run support guy, not so much as a pass rush guy. So you still need that pure pass rusher like a Justin Houston. Right, and, the, and they'll draft somebody. They haven't had a, have much luck in the draft drafting um, an edge rusher in the in right. the recent years. You, you mentioned Ferguson, Bowser. They haven't done what we expected them to to do to this point. Tim it's Williams. Always, yeah, and, and it's always it's always a crapshoot when right. when you draft guys like that. They were so great, but can they be great at the next level? And that remains to be seen, which is the theme of this show, as we all know. So um, look. Ravens, I trust Eric DaCosta. You said his yep. legacy may be built on these two picks in this draft. I think his legacy's already been built. Uh, what he's done the last couple of years, uh, I think that he's done a phenomenal job replacing the incomparable um, Ozzie, Ozzie Newsom. So we'll just see how it goes, and I, I have trust that he's going to make two solid picks. And here's the other thing. They're probably going to make a pick that we're all not going to like. Of course. I mean, that's going to happen. It happens every year. The, last year was the first pick that I remember them making in a long time. Other than... Uh, Lamar Jackson in 2018, where people were like, "Yeah, Patrick Queen, that's right. a, that's a great, that's a great pick." Uh, I don't remember them making picks recently where it's like, "Oh man, I wanted that guy." I I, I usually do a lot of draft research and kind of know my guys, and and Tyree Phillips was not a guy I'd ever heard of. Like I I had no clue who that was, and they picked him in a fourth round, I believe, and I was going. Who I mean, who is this guy? He, he turns out to be not so great of a player. So of course they're gonna make they're gonna make picks, but you don't like. I mean that's just gonna happen, unfortunately. And it could be one of the first round picks, unfortunately. Yeah. Every year the Ravens make their draft picks, and every year they're lauded. Yeah. By Mel oh, Kiper always, and all. The, always. The, they're always saying these are great picks. A A mm-hmm. plus for the Ravens in the draft. I trust that this is a good team that's going right. to that's, that's going to get better. So, look, that's going to do it for us here on the Batteron. Keep in mind the Orioles play the Athletics tonight uh, at seven oh five, trying to end the Athletics twelve uh, game winning streak. You got Bassett for the Athletics going against Wade LeBlanc for the Orioles. It's going to be a bullpen game tonight. Look for Tyler Wells to get in some action. Then they close out the series tomorrow. Hopefully, it's a rubber game uh, at one oh five. John Means taking the ball, looking to improve on his one oh one five two record. Uh, Oakland TBD for tomorrow. But that's going to do it for us here on the Batter Out. Thanks for tuning in. Tuning in. 
you know, stay safe, stay socially distant, wear your masks. We'll see you next week on the Battle Round. See ya.